0: Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. As always, I'm your host, Brent Young, joined alongside beautiful co-hosts, co-workers, shall we say content extraordinaires, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, how are we? Another week, another win, gorgeous
1: weather, college game day. And, uh, you know, we, we pulled it out by the skin of our teeth. But we still got the W. So I'm feeling
0: fantastic. Plus, basketball starts tomorrow. Oh, I'm here for it, man. Double dip of happiness from Aaron. Chad, how are we? Good. Spent all day
2: publishing content. It's uh things are good at Bearcat Journal right now. Front front page is front page is cranking. Think we're up to what this will be five, six pieces of content on the front page since uh, your your Evansville Aces preview. Was published last night. So it's, uh, things are good. Ooh, things are good at Bearcat Journal right now. Welcome
0: back, Mick. Todd, uh, yeah. Welcome back, Mick Walker. Todd Licklider back down in, uh, old Southern Indiana. Good, good luck to the Purple Aces coming to the Bearcat land. That's, that's later in the podcast. We'll touch on basketball, at the start of that tomorrow. But now we've got a special guest from the Athletic, senior writer for the Athletic, David Oven. He is, uh, he had the joy, the uh, pleasure and the possibility of taking in one of the more memorable days in Cincinnati football program history this past Saturday, he took in all of college game day and then the game when it had its ups, had its downs, had its excitement, but he is someone who has covered college bat, sorry, college football inside and out. He is, uh, has a, a podcast called football and grits on the, uh, that's the athletic family of networks with the uh, podcast as well and covers sec football there, but you had a chance to take in a little American football, not quite the sec, but the (laughs) AAC don't, don't sleep on them. David, how are we?
3: I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me. It was, uh, an interesting weekend. I hadn't been to Cincinnati, uh, before this weekend. Uh, so getting a taste of, uh, of the, the great Midwest, the state of Ohio was good. So I, I appreciate you guys, uh, bringing me on to, to, to chat about uh, my weekend in the American conference.
0: Yeah, well, go ahead and just start on that. How, how did you get rolled on to this possibility of coming to the Queen City, taking in a memorable weekend that that started at what 5 a.m. for you and, and worked all the way <laughs> through the uh, the late, late night? How, how did that kind of get put on your plate and, and kind of just general observations? We'll dive a little bit further in after that. Yeah, I mean, I think for us,
3: I mean, my personal philosophy and, and one of the reasons why the athletic has been um, attractive to me as they are really into interesting stories. And, you know, Cincinnati this weekend, I mean, you could do the math very quickly um, that, okay, we know the the playoff rankings are coming out wherever Cincinnati is, whether they're at two or whether they're at eight was going to be the most interesting topic of week one. And then of course you get game day coming in. And I'm like, well, this week, you know cincinnati is kind of at the center of the college football universe for i don't know if the first time ever but certainly not in that way um for the first time so i was like that's a pretty interesting spot for a program um and i was like i'm talking to my editor i was like i think i should just go and write about everything the whole day uh the playoff stuff game day the game itself and that's what we did and uh i you know it was a good time and and uh uh, wrote a story about it and tried to encapsulate this, uh, this moment in time. That's really a special one for, for Cincinnati.
0: You you've been to numerous big time venues Mm -hmm. all throughout your career. Uh, is there one quite as, you know, mystique wise and kind of just, uh, just intimate setting, as Nippert Stadium. This is your first time at, at Nippert this past Saturday, right? What what kind of did you take in just from the stadium itself and kind of the way that the fans fill that up and right in the center of campus and all the, uh, all the different things that make it special?
3: Yeah, I mean, having it in the center of campus is is super interesting. The concept of like, there's not really an entrance to the stadium. It's just kind of there. It's like super interesting. I have not seen that before and, and have it be a feature of the campus rather than sort of its own thing, which is what you see it at most places. Um, and very steep stadium. I was actually taken aback a by that. I was like, this is like one of the steepest stadiums like I've ever seen. Like maybe since like old Kyle Field, new Kyle Field is not quite that steep, but the old one was uh, so very steep and you can kind of feel, you know uh, where the old meets new, and and uh, obviously the the storied history of the stadium. Uh, um, so I think for me, that's that's the the things that really jumped out about my first trip to Nippert.
1: Vanini said the same thing about it being steep. He was actually taking it's it back. It's extremely well.
3: steep. I mean, you can see it like not even just walking up the stairs, which is where you feel it in a very different way, but just in the press box, you're like, I'm almost on top of the field, and you're like looking down. <laughs> <and> you're like. <laughs> Well, I hope this isn't tip because we're all gonna we're all gonna be in trouble. But just like an extreme that was the main thing. It's like this is a really, really steep, steep stadium. Have
2: you ever been in the upper deck of assembly hall in Bloomington? I have not. It's like that. Okay. Brent Brent knows what I'm talking about. It like (laughs) that upper deck in in, Indiana for the basketball arena, like you feel like if you lean forward an inch, like you're gonna topple (laughs) well and end up down below
0: quick quick side story about that i i was at a game um at assembly hall in the upper deck and you know we were doing like the oh oh oh, oh, oh. yeah we know and we get it yeah I that had is zombie very, nation just
3: for yes, the record thank
0: you very much and i had been <laughs> having uh, quite, quite the day leading up to that and uh let's just say i took out about seven rows ahead of me and had to be had to be <laughs> ushered back to my seat, and had both my <laughs> shoes returned to me by other, uh, other fellow fans on site. So yes, I can I can verify it is it is very steep. But uh, that was in a
2: student <laughs> capacity, by the way, David. Not yes, the yes. work. Yes, he went to Indiana, so we'll forgive him <laughs> for that. Just to
0: clarify, just to clarify, totally yeah, sober, t- totally. But David, uh, another thing that you were able to take in was the college game day experience, and. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the the fan base you've been around obviously rabid fan bases all over the country, especially in sec country. How did what you saw on Saturday kind of compare or was, did you see similarities? Did you see kind of differences? What, what kind of really stuck out to you as far as the fan base goes and the amount of, of love that they have for the team?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the people from ESPN were pretty clear about this is the biggest crowd that they've seen in several years. Um, the only one that I've seen that was as big or bigger was probably uh, Missouri in 2012. I was still at ESPN at that time. So I think it's Missouri in 2012 when they hosted Oklahoma, that Oklahoma was number one team in the country that week and they ended up upsetting them. Um, but I think ultimately, I think game day needs to lean into that more of going places where it matters and getting right. good crowds because I was at Georgia two weeks ago for Georgia when game day was there. And, like, nobody cares because it's Georgia. They've had game day a bunch of times. Three times and this year. I think game day, yeah, like, the game day thing, like, game day is great because you can get good scenes. And, like, if they weren't going to go to Cincinnati last week, they should have gone to, out to El Paso for UTEP and UTSA. Go to places where people will care about having it because, quite frankly, like – you know, if you're involved in an Alabama game or a Georgia game more than once a year, and even once a year is is probably still too often. Like people just don't care, and so I, I think Game Day, you know, obviously that that atmosphere was up there for them um, because people cared about it. I, I still think Game Day should get away from going to the biggest game of the week and leaning more into going places that are interesting that will give them that scene because wherever they are is kind of irrelevant, quite frankly, um, except the people that are there. And, and so if I was, if I was a, a producer on game day, free advice, I would, you know, when there's massive games that you need to be there, sure. But I wouldn't every week go, okay, where's the biggest game that we need to go to? I would go more toward places that you're going to get that scene and that type of crowd because it adds a lot to the experience. And I thought Cincinnati well, fans did that.
2: And as Cincinnati fans learned, when you do game day at six thirty in the morning and you have a three thirty kickoff and the game's done at seven, seven thirty. That's a long, <laughs> long day. Like yeah. I think they've gotten smart in the past, like starting to do more because they used to hardly ever do noon kickoffs. Right. Mm-hmm. It was always like the night. Yeah. Day. Always prime time.
3: Mm-hmm. And but then prime time like, games. Not... I, was to some, I was talking to some of the Cincinnati people, uh, some of their ad- administrators and like, I was like, if you get that night game, you can go home and take a nap or, like, just breathe right. and relax a little bit. But the 3.30, like, as soon as game day is over, you're, like, full on. This is when your Time day to tell starts. Yeah, it's like this is when your day normally starts. So, uh, yeah, the 3.30 is the highest degree of difficulty for fans, administrators, logistics, all that stuff. And especially, you know, at some places where they'll have it, you know, it's, like, on a separate part of It's very far away from the actual stadium and the game day itself and the game itself are two very separate experiences and, and events, but it was Cincinnati. That's where they did it on the commons and you have the stadium over there. It's all kind of thing. Uh, So that, that introduces its own set of difficulties. Um, But it was, it was a very cool Saturday. I haven't gone to actual game day in a long time. I went a bunch when I was at ESPN. It was a little bit uh, simpler. uh, Like when they have it at red river, in dallas is pretty cool um but i haven't been in a long time it'd probably been almost 10 years since i'd gone to actual game day but that was uh that was a that was a big one so i saw that you had tweeted about your experience
1: with nipper after the game Mm -hmm. and how that kind of shocked you in that you saw students on the field so what, what was it normally like, or, or were there any other things maybe that, that surprised you with your
3: visit to Nippert? Well, I think two things. One, I think I've just been around too much paranoia in college sports because people are afraid of what's going to happen to their stadium. Like they, like if you tried to get on, get on the field, at any given with no warning or connection or whatever, and the power five, I mean, you'd probably be in the single digits of success. Right. And so the combination of not even in the stadium, but like, I can't imagine like if I was in college and I wanted to go play football on like a Friday afternoon with my friends and I could get on the, the, the the field at the stadium, I would lose my mind. I might be there every single week. Uh, (laughs) So that's crazy. Just being able to like you know, get 10 of your buddies out there and play on a lined stadium and play, you know, whatever, seven on seven, whatever you're going to do. Um, so a huge feature to the campus. I don't know how often that happens at Cincinnati. You guys might be able to tell me more than I would. But just the concept of not only having access to the stadium, but having access to the field and not getting arrested immediately. And there's not a lot of paranoia about what's on the turf and maybe having turf helps more than than having a little grab where you can really things up. Um, but then having that access like 30 minutes after a game is just insane. Uh, So that was very interesting. I did not know that. They said, I should lean into that. That's a nice little feature
2: for the campus. And basically it's always open unless there's practice, unless there's practice down there, the entire stadium and the field is open pretty much at all times. Like you can, you can go at three o'clock on a Monday and there'll be people playing, you know, throwing Frisbee and, and running stairs and, you know, it's it's a pretty cool thing that as long as the football team isn't uh, isn't using it that day, it's pretty much free for anybody to occupy.
3: Yeah, getting into the stadium is, you know, probably less than half of power five stadiums you have access to to get in. Wherever, yeah. But but the field is like I don't think I've heard of that maybe ever. I heard some people say Northwestern. You could do that. I'm skeptical that that is true. Um, but uh, Vanderbilt, we
0: snuck on when when Cincinnati was their basketball, but, but I don't think it's a lot of you because their stadium
3: yeah. is like very set off. It's kind of its own thing, uh, so we might have so gotten maybe, arrested, but we just ducked, yeah.
0: the, ducked it at that point. So that was <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, so talking about the funds, things all pushed to aside. Let's let's move on to the game itself and kind of the product that Cincinnati's putting in front of the uh, the thirteen people who care or who mm-hmm. matter. At this point, um, a three touchdown underdog was Tulsa. You took in the game. I, I don't know how much AAC you watched throughout the season. Good amount. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what kind of did you take away from the game? Because, you know, it, yes, it was a back and forth. And we're going to dive into it, you know, more after this. But the two goal line stands would be the epitome of taking a step back and realizing, wow, this is a, a great team was able to pull out those eight straight great plays, but instead it's yeah. kind of, everyone's looking more of a, they should have won by more. They need the style points. What's kind of just your overall view of, of the program and, and the team that Cincinnati is putting out front. I mean, I think they looked a little bored on Saturday.
3: Probably. I, I think it's hard when, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough to get up for Tulsa and then Navy and Tulane and some of these teams that you're just better than, Um and so, you could see flashes of how good the team could be. Obviously, the start of both halves, that was pretty dominating on both sides of the ball. And then I think, uh, I, I, it might have been Darian Beavers, I forget who it was after the game, talking about how they felt like they kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, so, I, I think certainly, you know, Cincinnati a better team than they looked like uh, on Saturday. So, I think two things. One, uh, they do look a little bored. Two, I wonder if there's uh, as much as the team says they don't care about style points, okay. But uh, if you're trying to go out and beat somebody by 30 every week, that tends to be counterproductive in a lot of ways. I wonder if there's an element of that. It didn't look like that. We didn't see a lot of them forcing it on offense, but I wonder if you're thinking about that or if that's in your head, if that can have an impact on it. Because like, ultimately, you know, Cincinnati, we've seen how good they can be, and they just haven't played anywhere close to their standard weeks or so uh we've seen like i said we saw flashes of it especially against tulsa uh, but it hasn't been to their peak and uh you know uh, they're playing with fire a little bit they haven't been in a position where they've had to really have pull some magic to, to win as bad as that situation was on saturday you still needed a touchdown a two-point conversion and then it's basically a coin flip that's probably more 65 65 60 percent cincinnati wins that if it goes into overtime right so they were, you know, that was an insane final minute. But like, they were never in position to where like, oh, they're gonna lose this game. It's like, oh, they might have to dig a lot deeper to probably win this game. So, sad of those situations. But you'd want to play more up to your to your potential um, if you're Cincinnati, and and they haven't really done that, you know, in a while. I guess probably since Notre
0: Dame. Yeah. Well. Um, go, go ahead, Brett. No, go ahead. Got it. So. On a more you know broad landscape, then, when it comes to the college football playoffs and, and the committee and, and Cincinnati selection at number six, kind of what's your stance on that as a whole? Because you've kind of been able to take in the larger grand scheme of things with you know getting to see these high-level teams that are ranked ahead of Cincinnati and mm-hmm. some, some even in person. Kind of where do you see, not really Cincinnati stacking up, but more of where do you see their chance of sneaking in to that final, maybe just, just the number four slot as the season wears on?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, you know, teams two through seven, or, you know, I guess two through six now, I guess now the Michigan State lost, I felt like you could order them in any order uh, coming into last week. I think you can defend it in whatever order you want. Is Cincinnati one of the four, you know, best teams in the country? I don't know. I think it's a fair debate one way or the other. But the thing that enrages me is sort of just like, the committee is very prepared and very willing to put one loss teams above them. And it's like the way that the metrics work. I, I mean, I did the mock selection this year, um, the way that they measure it. And then of course, squeezing SMU and Houston out of the initial top 25s, which I mean, SMU and Houston are two of the 25 best teams in the country. SMU obviously lost last week, but that was odd to me. Cause it's like, I've, you, we've seen them play Houston. I mean, top end Houston is like unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's where the frustration lies. Um, and that's kind of what I wrote going into last week is it's like, you know, it's very frustrating to have a, a postseason overall where there's a lot of teams that, that can't uh, go, that can't get in the playoff field. And if there ever was a group of five team that was deserving, Cincinnati, even more so than UCF in 17, uh, is that team. And so as far as what needs to happen, I mean, they're going to need a little bit of help. You know, Uh, Michigan State losing to someone that's not Ohio State is a huge help. I think get lucky. Have Michigan State knock off Ohio State. That's best case scenario. I think Oklahoma will lose at some point, but if they don't, Oklahoma is going to jump them. And I'd be an Auburn fan if I'm Cincinnati, uh, because if Auburn can knock off Alabama, that's a huge piece that comes out because even if, you know, Auburn uh, wins the SEC and beats Georgia, I'm not even sure they'd be a slam dunk. So You know, you need to avoid the scenario where the SEC gets two teams in and the uh, Big Ten gets two teams in, because at this point, the ACC is basically out. Oregon's around. I don't trust Oregon. I think they'll they'll cough up a game at some point. Oklahoma, I kind of feel the same way. But if you're in a situation where, you know, you've got – Georgia and Alabama teams that are really capable of both getting in the playoff. And then of course the Ohio state situation, the Michigan state situation. We'll see what Michigan does as well on the back end, a lot of big 10 teams. So they're going to need a little bit of help. I don't think they need a ton, um, but they need some. Um, And uh, you know, Purdue knocking off Michigan state was a nice start for them, but that SMU, I, I told this to Justin, I think it's true. The style points is sort of a, a a a bygone era in college football. I don't. It doesn't matter if they win by forty. They need to not need two goal line stands to hold off Tulsa, but like the committee is not gonna. They don't. Look, not look at, at 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 final scores in the same way that pollsters do or computers did. They are a much more holistic um, approach. You know, I, I talked to Gary Barda when I was doing the mock selection and multiple times like. If a team's up 14 and they score two touchdowns in the last five minutes, we don't care. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, if you're dominating teams, that's obviously a good sign. Um, so style points is not that big of a deal. The thing that Houston – I mean, the thing that, that Cincinnati needs more than anything is for Houston and SMU and Notre Dame to keep winning, especially Notre Dame. That They need that Notre Dame game to still be a top-10 win in the final poll. They need that badly. And then you need – you a perfect world, SMU and Houston both finish in the top 25. You need at least one. If it's neither, I'm not sure there's a way Cincinnati gets in the playoff without total chaos because then you're talking about a resume with probably one top 25 win on it. So they need one or two of SMU and Houston to get in that top 25 and stay in end, and they need Notre Dame to keep winning as well. So that, I think, is sort of the road. Um, for their opponents, and then they need a couple teams to win um, because Oklahoma, obviously, if they keep winning, I mean that's that's sort of a no brainer. But that that scenario where there's two, you know, Big Ten and SEC teams, I, I would watch a lot of Big Ten and SEC football moving forward if I was a Cincinnati fan. You,
2: you want me to give you one of maybe the most fun and underrated storylines in the country, and I only do this because if it happens, I want you to do the story instead of Justin. <laughs>
3: Please do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who is the second best team in the Pac-12?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Oh, gosh. I'd have to look down. Let me boot up the standings here. Let me see. Because I've never been a, a huge uh, uh, Anthony Brown believer. Uh, I just, you watch him and you're kind of like, eh. Like, obviously the talent is there and you can see sort of what they can be. But they've had some some clunkers uh, in the mix there as well. So Utah's I'm booting up the pack 12
0: Ch- Chad, I think I know where you're
3: going with this. I mean, I think if you'd look at it, uh, I mean, Utah seems like the obvious choice. I, I actually do Hi. like what Oregon State brings to the table, uh, and UCLA has some high-end potential. But, but I David, that's
0: for Utah. He's about to tell you something about Utah. Okay, what do we got who's, for Utah?
2: Who's Utah's best player?
0: I lost you. What'd you say? Who's Utah's
2: best player?
3: Uh, Let me see here. I couldn't tell you.
2: Running back, Tavion Thomas.
3: Mm -hmm. Where are we going with this? I'm intrigued. You've got me.
2: Do you know where Tavion Thomas is from?
3: Uh, I'm going to guess Ohio, possibly.
2: (laughs) Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. Do you know where Tavion Thomas spent the first two years of his college football playing career?
3: I'm going to guess Cincinnati. You are correct.
2: <laughs> Tavion Thomas could, by proxy, get Cincinnati in the college football playoff. By I like Oregon. it. I
3: like it. That's a, that is, I will say, that's a compelling storyline. Uh, I may have to pitch that one. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> and Brian Kelly, too. Does, yeah, Utah, have Kelly that, does Utah have that uh, uh, tiebreaker over Arizona State?
2: I believe, I believe they do. I believe it's setting up right now. They won. Yeah. I believe it's setting up right now that Oregon will not only have to play to Utah once, but unless, unless you know, if Utah keeps winning, they will play Utah twice, uh, including the conference championship game. Tavion Thomas on Saturday night had hundred and fifty yards and what five touchdowns in the first half.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: different. so I, I I said this on Twitter Saturday. He is top three most talented recruits of the Luke Fickle era at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He's like 6'4", 235 pounds and fast. And he was a four-star recruit. They got him late. He had a really messed up upbringing where he just got to Cincinnati and still was really immature.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, he was kind of death by a thousand cuts. There was never like one thing but there was just, like, always an accumulation of things with Tavion where you're kind of, like, forcing him to grow up. And he, he went away, did a year at JUCO, and then he ended up at Utah. And now he's, he's tearing it up. And just an interesting storyline because he's a really good kid. He just had to overcome a lot. And sometimes you've been around it long enough. Sometimes mm-hmm. kids need a, a change of scenery. A, you know, there's no bigger change of scenery than Ohio to Utah. Uh, especially inner city Dayton, Ohio, very to Utah. True. Um, but it, he's apparently got it together now and rolling and, and he literally could be the, the factor as it all plays out that somehow sneaks Cincinnati into the college football playoff. And that would be phenomenal.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm very intrigued. That's a, that's a storyline. I'm very much into. So, <laughs> and all we right. don't have a, we don't have a day by day Utah writer. So it's a, uh, that's an intriguing one. I'm filing that well, one away. There's
2: one here in Cincinnati that knows the story, so you're going to have to be him to it, please.
0: So here's another hypothetical for you. Yes. Say that Alabama does lose at Auburn, mm-hmm. but Auburn slips up another time. I think that would then leave Alabama in the driver's seat if a loses another game somewhat. Pretty much I'm saying, say Bama loses one more regular season game but still makes it to the SEC championship where they beat Georgia.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I think Bama's in in that sense uh, They're so strong on the metrics And they would have So let's see, Bama would have to I guess it depends on who you lose to I guess uh, yeah. If they lose to Arkansas, you, you know, that's one thing um, But if you're beating Auburn in the Iron Bowl You would have uh, Another quality win And then Georgia I mean, it'd be close But I think because there's so many teams second tier behind Georgia that are so close. I tend to think the committee would give them the benefit of the doubt because they have been so dominant that I don't know if you guys had a chance to read my story about some of the metrics that the committee uses. Uh, they it's don't, they don't use the term game control much, but they do use uh, some advanced stats of scoring relative offense, relative defense. And if you're dominating teams, the simplest way to explain those stats, which they use and they're, they're pretty good tools. Is if a team averages three hundred yards of offense a game, and you hold them to one hundred and fifty, then your relative defense rate would be like a two hundred percent for that game. And if a team allows three hundred and fifty yards of offense a game, and you put up seven hundred, then your relative offense would be two hundred percent. And they do that. So basically, what do teams look like when they play you? It's a great metric, I think. So there's scoring offense and defense and Alabama beats the crap out of teams pretty much every week. They have been mortal this year, but they've looked pretty good in a long time. And they beat a top 20 Mississippi state team, although they lost last week, but a team that was in the top 20 last week by 40 points. I mean, that's wild. So uh I think because they're so strong in those metrics and they would have that uh national, I mean, that, that SC championship piece, it might help them because I don't believe there's ever been a two loss team in the playoffs. there's not,
2: never been a two loss team in the playoffs.
3: that did not have a national
2: they did not have a, a conference champion so yeah. um so yeah
3: so i my guess would be if they'd need a little bit of help too i whether they'd get in above cincinnati my guess would be yes um but it'd be close it'd be real close uh so, and what happens everywhere else with the big 10 and oregon and oklahoma would would very much matter so
0: so um you used to be with ESPN prior to this, as you, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. can you explain what the FPI is? And no, (laughs) I I mean like, no, (laughs) that seems like it's something that is just tossed around and it is Bible when it comes to, you know, certain, certain things and certain measures of the teams around the country. No, but I think the good news
3: is for, for folks that get fed up with, um, you know, whatever, what people say or, or, you know, when you had the coaches poll, uh, that was a factor in the BCS and you had computers, some of the narrative stuff that would come up would matter, but there's literally 13 opinions on the planet that matter and they don't use FPI. So, uh, so they will be okay. But I mean, FPI, I, I don't know what goes into it, but it is, uh, an interesting metric that, you know, ultimately if the FPI just looked like what the AP poll looked like every week, it wouldn't be that interesting of a metric, but when it doesn't, it is very interesting. I do – I am a believer in uh, Mr. Bill Connolly's SP+, which I think is really indicative of what a team is. Uh, but I know a little bit more about how that's calculated. I couldn't tell you much about FPI, uh, but I'm not a huge believer. in It's a, bit, a little bit like QBR. Right. So we're going to wait fourth quarter – Quarterback stats or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't like nobody outside of ESPN really uses it. So I sort of ignore it. I do use a lot of PFF because we have a subscription to that for for our staff. Um, but that's more, I've never been a huge PFF grades person, but like snap counts were always important. And then like, uh, some niche stats like yards per carry before contact will tell you a lot about uh, how good an offensive line is actually running the ball or how good a back might be. He's averaging six yards a carry, but 1.2 yard, and that's like, you know, 10th in the country. His offensive line is averaging 1.2 yards per carry before contact and like 100th in the country. I mean, then you're basically talking about like uh, an, an elite back of all time or pressure rate. You know, sacks don't tell you that much, but how often is a quarterback having to flush or uh, have guys in his face? Those things are always interesting. So, I couldn't tell you much about FPI, though, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> I don't think they could either.
3: <laughs> you, you might be right. There's probably a couple people that can, and everyone else just like ah, nah, it's just yeah, uh, and and yeah. they
2: lock those people up in a like a, a dungeon so <laughs> so that they don't speak because they, they don't want anybody to know how FPI works. They just want to use it.
3: Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I mean, I think at this point, like again, like the PFF stuff, I think is educational, but if they're not metrics that the the committee is paying attention to and looking at and using to assess teams, it's kind of pointless. Like you're just sort of talking into the void. I mean, this is why I don't really pay attention to any of the polls, really. Like it doesn't It doesn't matter. It was interesting when it was factored in the BCS and all the BCS computers and all that stuff was pretty interesting because it mattered. Now it's kind of just noise. And like, it's annoying when people treat a team one way or the other. Uh, Like early in the season, people weren't watching UTSA and it took them forever to get ranked. And you're like, this team is good if you actually watch them. Um, But um, so yeah, when it comes to metrics like that, I, I think if the committee's not looking at it or not using it, I kind of don't have time for it. I just sort of tune it out.
1: Well, the committee wouldn't agree that UTSA is very good, as they they would not, <laughs> and that
3: that was ridiculous. I mean,
1: completely shut them out for their you know the people they had to have in there to boost the funny the, the funniest boost part the other people
3: that, like right on cue Minnesota flops.
0: like and, the first and Fresno State too. Plenty yeah, of them.
3: Minnesota, Fresno, Minnesota was the most ridiculous one because Minnesota is not one of the twenty. 20- Country. I mean, I it's just insane. This is when, like, you know, losses do matter, but they get so tied up in wins. And I I like the idea of in theory, let's look at teams at their best and let's important than when teams are, are not great. Because for a long time that's been the conversation in college football, is it's like, oh, you know Ohio State and fourteen, they suck because they lost to six and six Virginia Tech. Or you know Oklahoma and whatever year it was sixteen, they suck because they lost to five and seven Texas. They had a bad day, but in general, I like the idea of looking at a team, uh, you know, at its best. But even at Minnesota's best, they've been like winning games against average Big Ten teams. And then at their worst, they're losing to Bowling Green. It's like, Bowling this is not one of Green. the 20 best teams in the country. I'm sorry.
0: It's just Oof. not. Yeah, but Oregon's loss to three and six. Stanford is better than Cincinnati's <laughs> win. Yes, to Tulsa, precisely. Right? Right. Precisely.
3: So, you know, at some point, you have to draw the line. The losses are talked about in the room, but they're not reflected in as acute a way as, you know, that the record versus top 10, the record versus top 25. The conversation kind of starts there. And right. when it's close, they start leaning more into their 12 key stats that they use. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it it's all about the score to schedule and who you've played, which has a natural bias against the group of five, especially when they won't rank group of five teams right. like, FSU, like, a Houston, like a UTSA, who's really dang good, especially after they eviscerated UTEP the other night on UTEP's home field. They listen. Listen, they got if they're not ranked this week, I don't even know what to do. Like, hey, <laughs> sir.
1: Well, and how quickly was Notre Dame the win against Notre Dame dismissed by even Joey Galloway? He was like, Well, they're clearly not that good as they have <laughs> a loss, even though that one loss was to Cincinnati. Like,
2: yeah, he's- no, what he said was, can, can you really take Cincinnati's win over Notre Dame all that serious because Notre Dame has a loss? <laughs>
3: Oh, man, I'm dizzy with the logic there.
2: No, I mean, I think
3: ultimately so, yeah. people just don't – I mean, people just there, – there's not a compelling data point beyond the Notre Dame win. And just to win undefeated is not enough. They need SMU and or Houston to get to the finish line and slip in that top 25 at the very end. They need that because those are data points that are going to be very important. If they're sitting there at the end, 3-0 and against the top 25, 1-0 and against the – that's a compelling reason. Uh, a compelling resume like the conversation starts there um but if they're 1-0 against the top 10 1-0 against the top 25 and nothing else they're going to get dinged for that because if you play the, there's not a twenty-sixth team in the ranking but if they don't show up there it does matter kind of you can see it when they compare schedules but it doesn't carry the same weight as if they slip into that 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 25th
0: spot it's, it's really crucial but, like, Ohio uh, – I mean, we could go on for, like, hours about this. Like, Ohio State has – after – when the next polls come out, they'll have zero overall, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, yes, there's chances ahead of them. But it, it just – understand that they – I don't know if they're looking in the future or kind of what it is, but I don't know. It's, it's very confusing, especially, like, like Oregon. They seem, seem like they ranked Fresno State just to have that second top 25 win. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, the
3: committee tries with the mock selection and getting people talking and getting, you know, the chairman out there, whoever it is on that given year, whether it's, you know, Oregon's AD or Jeff Long or, or now it's Gary Bard's turn to sit in the hottest seat in college football. <laughs> they try, but I think the casual fan truly does not understand how this process works. Like even people right. that are. In college football, I spend a lot of time watching paying attention. I think they still – there's a lot of people that don't understand, hey, the committee doesn't just list their own top 25s, and that's a small poll. Like, people really don't understand the process yeah, or what matters to the committee or how they operate. For what they're charged to doing, I think the committee generally does a good job. I think the system as a whole is biased against the group of five, makes things very, very difficult, if not impossible – on the base on the metrics that they that they hold to get in, which is from their perspective a feature, not a bug, that they can say, "Well, this is what's important to us. This is how we operate." And if that's your system, then, I mean, Cincinnati was exactly where I sort of expected them to be, based on what we knew about how they operate. So it's not like they are going out of their way to screw Cincinnati based on this metric, but the metric that they use and how the whole system operates is going to naturally disadvantage those teams. So. You know, it's not even about Cincinnati. It's not even about the group of five or whatever. It's just the the entire system is broken. Is a strong word because it's not broken. It's meant to operate in the way that it does. So, you know, it this is what the system is. And you know, expand the playoff would be what I'd say.
2: It was designed for the Power Five. Yes, by the Power Five like th- yes. that's the thing that people exactly that they that they don't follow the the logic on how all of this is set up they made the system yeah exactly of course <laughs> they set it up to their advantage of and course we- they did
3: i know and people want to make it out to be like i feel bad for gary barter who is was a nice guy overall <laughs> <But> <laughs> people act, does. <laughs> but people, i know but people want to make it out like gary barter screwing cincinnati it's like no gary barter signed up for the most thankless job in the world to speak for a committee like one person cannot have that acute uh, a, a impact on the on the ratings they just can't it's the way the system set up one person does not have that much power really at all, he has to speak for them, and he might even be on a personal level very pro Cincinnati right, but he has to speak for this is what the committee sees this is how the committee views this and this is what it is, and he has to sort of defend the metrics and the systems by which they they operate and you know he's the face of it he's the he takes the heat they don't even pay him for that and you know he's not going to be in the poorhouse anytime soon but i do feel bad for i don't know how they get people to take that job because uh, i would not want that job <laughs> i think he goes to
1: sleep every night with a smile on his
3: face <laughs> probably so i think when you're i think when you're uh, you know well into the seven digits in the annual income factor uh, I, that gets a little easier. Right? A crooked snaggletooth smile. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Easy, Aaron.
4: Jesus.
2: Uh, all right, let, let's put you on the spot before we let you go. The David Ubin week two CFP rankings, where is Cincinnati? Well,
0: let's I'm go top say six, six. Top six. The top six? Well, uh, Cincinnati might not be in that top six. I know. So. I know. That's that's why, like, if, if he goes all six and we don't hear Cincinnati, we can just, like, push him <laughs> out right away. Just no, like I, I think. I, I'm joking,
3: joking, I think this week. Let me let me boot up next week and let me think about where the teams uh the. Oh, oh, I think I know what what I think is gonna happen, uh, and what I what I suspect. Uh, so let's see here. Uh. Here we go. The CFP poll. We're booting it up right now. This is compelling uh, podcast content. Great podcast. Oh, you're doing very much. So I'm sure. Uh, So (laughs) this is not, this is not popping up, but I'll, I'll do it from memory. So obviously I think George is going to be number one. Uh, Alabama didn't do enough to fall. Um, They're fine. Everyone kind of slipped, slipped around and slipped inside. I think Oregon chills. I think you're going to see Michigan state fall hard, obviously, I think it's just as simple as Cincinnati moves up to five this week. Oklahoma didn't do anything. Ohio State didn't really do anything that really makes you uh too excited. So I, I that's that's sort of where I think they're they're gonna move up to five and, and you're gonna see uh Michigan State fall to like I don't know, 10, 11, something like that. Maybe below so they'll Oklahoma fall State. behind Michigan. Uh no, they'll be with Michigan, they'll be ahead of Michigan, I think. Um Well, Michigan see.
2: was a Michigan was a what, eight? Yeah, and Michigan won. Or Michigan was at seven? seven. Michigan
3: won. Seven. Yeah, but it's just Indiana. It, it, it's not a top twenty-five win. That's when you that get into the top easy. twenty-five. When you, in the Indiana, top 25 <laughs> when you get to the top twenty-five, the top twenty-five and the top ten. When you have teams that have big wins or start to win their conference, that's what you're going to see teams make leaps. It's Whoa. hard to leap. You have to do it with a big win. It doesn't matter if you beat a seven and you know three team or whatever by forty. That. That doesn't, that's not going to help you. You, you. you you get it with that top 10, top 25 wins. And nobody really had anything to write home about last week. So I think it's just as simple as Michigan State falls, Cincinnati slides up to number five.
0: And then Notre Dame just moves up one ahead of Wake Forest. They don't, oh, uh, yeah. They no should, yeah. Notre jump. Dame should be up at, uh, they were at 10 last week, right? Yeah, so They should be up at nine. of course,
3: will fall. I don't think Michigan State will fall behind them, but they might. It just depends. I'd have to look at their resumes because they're probably pretty similar. Uh, I'd have to look at their wins. Um, It takes the committee 16 hours to do this, and I have about two minutes, so I have to. to. (laughs) But uh, no, so it'll be close. I mean, I could see Notre Dame and Michigan State will be very close to one another. They might be touching, um, but I think you could make a case for either of them in either spot, but
0: having since he at number five, I think we enjoy your two minute preparation. Uh, football, <laughs> playoff, more
3: than, well, well just knowing, just out, knowing how they on. operate. I just don't see a way that anybody did anything to move. Uh, yeah. and just Michigan state's going to fall, uh, because you know, at Michigan state, the, the thing that would have been funny is if, okay, let's say Michigan state is at four. Right. And they go play Georgia in an out in a non-conference game last week. Right. And they lose 24, 21, then I'm not so sure they would have fallen. I think the committee—they don't like. I think the committee—they might would have bet my life. They might have dropped a spot behind uh, Ohio State, maybe, but they would not have dropped below Cincinnati if they if they had gone and played Georgia on a neutral field in November for whatever reason and lost by three. So, okay. but nobody did anything to, to, to fall, and nobody did enough to, to to jump up. So I'll be surprised if it's anything other than that.
0: Awesome. Right. Awesome. Anything else guys? I think we're good. Nope. I think we're good. Awesome. That was a, hey, yet again, David oven with his in-depth look at the college game day and the entire scenery that is Cincinnati that we all know and love. Uh David, thanks for coming on. And, and of course, just uh, always keep in the back of your mind that Nippert stadium is always open for you <laughs> whenever you good want to
3: if I ever need a field to get some uh, uh, get like a bachelor party football game going, uh, I will, I will guys let's, let's, let's consider Cincinnati. So
2: <laughs> if you ever, if you ever want to come run some steps, there you
3: go. There you go. Just, don't fall, the better. Don't, Just don't fall you don't down. Don't fall down. Don't
2: want to run those steps.
0: You yes. Don't, I promise.
3: <laughs>
1: also don't do it after eating the chili.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. <laughs> like awesome. Well, Hey David, thank you so much for joining us. We'll let you uh, get back to what? Monday night football's on. Sure guys, uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you guys. I appreciate no fantasy it. football to cheer on. All right. Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks, we'll David. see you. All right. That was uh David Oven. Pretty pretty awesome getting another national view of of things. And he was on on scene at Cincinnati. I mean, I was talking to him after that's been the game. one of my
2: favorite things this season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I because obviously this is the first year where you you need that national view more mm. than anything because all of us can sit here and, and pound our chest and rep the c Paul left, right, up and down, but you need it a more national view, especially this. Season. Well,
2: yeah, I mean, I mean what we we've had Ralph Russo, we've had Pete Thamel. we've had Fanini. Bill Bender, Vanini, David Ubin, like the, the just getting their perspective, especially as they they come into town and get a look at the program and and get to take things kind of uh a little more personally than than just from, you know, ten thousand feet watching it from afar. I think it's I think it's been a, an interesting look for our fan base because it's something that, at least since you know, in the the three hundred plus episodes of the BCJ and fifty plus episodes of this podcast, like we we have really been able to. We, we have in basketball with like the Mike D'Corses and you know, there's been some national voices there. Uh, as mixed teams were were moving up the ladder um, but in football this is this is a new deal and I think it's been it's been fantastic getting to connect with those guys getting those guys on the pod and getting their their thoughts on things out to the fan base I think it's uh, it's one of the cooler things all things considered that we've gotten to experience this year that makes it so different.
1: My favorite part is the fact that most of these guys it's their first time ever having been to Nippert and right. they, they fall in love the way that all of us did with our first times that we've been to Nipper. So it's just really interesting to hear the national heads talking about, you know, our, our beloved stadium in the same way that we talk about it. You yeah. do seem
2: like the type that would fall in love your first time, Aaron. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: no, yeah, well, all yeah, right. speaking of falling in love.
2: I got I got something oh gosh let's hear it i'm gonna i'm gonna start off the 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 tulsa conversation with and i we're already almost an hour in so we're gonna probably have to keep the tulsa thing to a minimum minimum
0: what time minimum. did we even start we'll do a minimum.
2: i didn't see minimum. a timer it's like it's like 7 45 i think i think we're at okay. about 45 minutes or so just, just wanting mm-hmm. to keep an eye on
1: things when we get the mailbag going and all that but
2: yeah i think we're about 45 minutes or so okay so far um I've kind of done an about face on the whole, like, I'm not enjoying this season because of pressure. I'm not enjoying the season Uh, and and telling people to enjoy it. And and then that's the match is you have to enjoy it. But I guess I had a realization sitting at home this week and and having to take things in from 10,000 feet from, from not being on campus and kind of getting, emotional about what game day meant and what this national spotlight has meant, And it hit me that this is being big time. Like I, I get some will, will counteract what I'm about to say with, yeah, but the standards are different. So, you know, we feel different. And, and I understand that take to a point, but the The reason that like Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and you know in the past Florida state when they had their run in Florida like the reason they were able to ride those waves is because they handled the pressure and the expectations and the daily grind of being great every day and I think we need to lean into it a little bit more, even like, I, I think we're so busy running away from it and saying things like, you know, this having to be perfect, you know, it's making me miserable, having to, you know, not winning games by enough is bringing me down. If you want to be great, this is the pressure that comes with it. This is the the sacrifice that comes with not playing for conference championships right because that's that's been done here for 15 years like that that's not something new but the pressure of stepping on that stage and not being the new kid in a sense because you know they've been here before the the the, they've almost played for a national they were one second from playing for a national championship they they've gone through this they, they finished last season undefeated. They, they've lost six games in the past four years. But this is different because this is what it's like to be at the top. Not to, like, visit the top, but to live at the top. And I think, like, we need to lean into it a little bit more. Like, bring it on. We're going to get everybody's best shot. We're, we're going to be... Circled on everybody's calendar, we're gonna be the team that that you know they're talking about during camp when they're having a special you know like Luke does for Navy when they're having a special day or a special segment in in camp once a week to go over Cincinnati like that comes with it, and if you want to actually live, if you want to be a top ten program, this is the pressure that the top ten programs deal with. And embracing I think, embracing it is very new, right? Because even at, like we've talked about it, if you look back to 2009, that 2009 team was picked third in the Big East. They lost a ton of, a ton of leadership from 2008, a 2018 that nobody expected to be in the Orange Bowl, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: This is a team that came in with top 10 rankings, you know, a single digit by their name. Came yeah. in. With the pressure of, if, if it's ever, if a, if a P5 is ever going to, there if a G5 is ever going to get there, this is it. This is the one. Cincinnati's the one. Yep. And I think it's time to, to take that and say, you know, come get some. Like, it, yeah, th- this is us. We've got the the target on our back. we got the spotlight on us. And we're going to take your best shot. We're going to punch you right back in the face. And, you know, they did that to an extent with the goal line stand. Um, Twice. But uh, – Twice. I, I just think, like, I don't know. Maybe it's time to switch the mentality a little bit and stop playing like you're spoiling my fun to embracing this is what fun is like. It's stressful.
1: Well, and Coach when Luke... You, Fickle, when,
2: you, when you live at the top.
1: Coach Luke Fickle, he he alluded to that in his presser where he went into the locker room and they weren't even celebrating the win. Like, right. I understand, like, you're supposed to be humble and all of that, whatever, blah, blah, no, blah. No, they were they pissed. I mean, and you should have been pissed, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like, you should still celebrate the win. Like, you're getting everyone's Super Bowl shot at you, like, to your point. So, for them to not celebrate a win after the fact, regardless, Darian Beaver said it in his presser, winning is hard. So, you should still be proud of yourself that you were able to notch a W, regardless of how it went down. You still remain undefeated. And you still got the win. It wasn't pretty. We all know that. But the goal line stands were. So I think there's things that you can take away. And and Luke also knew in his presser that things need to be adjusted. So I think that there's going to be some long and hard talks this week if they haven't already happened in things that they need to do to adjust the game plan. But all in all, like, they should still be excited to continue to win because a lot of programs don't get that opportunity.
0: You know, speaking of, teams getting up for playing Cincinnati and teams uber preparing to face the Bearcats, who would you say would be the one team in the conference this year that that would pertain the most to? It would probably be Tulsa. The team that you beat to win the championship just last year. Right. It it would probably be Tulsa. And I think that's why it, it speaks to the chippiness that you saw just constantly in this Tulsa game. Fuck those guys. It was it was every single game and and I got one name for you guys. Ethan Hall. Do you yeah, know 47? Do you know what number Ethan Hall is? 47. 47. You know, it's it just it seemed as if this was a game that Tulsa was going to do absolutely anything in their power to try and get into the psyche and try to just completely flip everything since I was trying to do on the back of his head. I I mean you look at what you know what Tulsa played in the the Armed Forces bowl against Mississippi State last year. You brought this up to me during the game. That that I game, totally forgot about it. Yeah, that game ended in an all-out just brawl. Brawl.
2: Yeah. They the part of the reason their season derailed is because they had a bunch of guys suspended from the brawl.
0: Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden you have these transfers out, but you still have Philip Montgomery in and Montgomery in his that's the head coach of Tulsa in his pregame pressers leading up to the game he mentioned numerous times how they've gone to Cincinnati so many times in a row and how the team, you know, knows that. And the team realizes that when they play the Bearcats, it's always been in Cincinnati. And he he thinks they play them tough and he thinks he's going to play them tough again. Uh, just kind of just building these little tiny hidden chips on Tulsa's shoulder. And you saw the physicality throughout the game. You, you saw the hits after the whistle. You saw just all of this added extracurriculars, which, they might not do against these other teams. And I, these teams are getting up for the Bearcats. And, and like, like numerous people have said, Tulsa has had some good games throughout the year. Yes, they lost to an FCS opponent. Yes, they have a bad record. They still played Oklahoma State really well. They played Ohio State all the way into the fourth quarter. I, I'm not saying by any means that this is a well, great the Tulsa quarter. team. Right. I'm not saying by any means this is a great Tulsa team. But – You've got to take a look back and see, like, wow, if Cincinnati would have done two goal line stands even last year to, to beat a team, you would have been jumping for joy and, and hyping up the, the outlook for Deshaun Pace and the, the big hit that Javon Hicks had on young Ethan Hall and just all the different things that went into the closing of the game. And You would have stepped back and said, you know what? That's what? That's what championship teams do. They find a way to win when their backs are up against the wall, even if it is a team that's now, what, three and six. I I understand they're looking at the record things, but that is just what college football is now, and I hate it so much because it is hard to win. And right now, as Cincinnati's figuring out certain things to get these pretty wins, and and kind of like what David Oven said, are they pressing a little bit to try and get those style points? I don't know. But they are getting every single team's best effort and there's, it, it's completely obvious at this point. And they're also getting their, the coach's best effort, too, trying to scheme any way possible to shorten a game and, and give them a shot to take down the Bearcats.
2: Well, Tulsa tried to be multiple to start the game. They did. They did. And, and they went three and out, three and out, three and out.
0: And then they saw that we can pick up five or six yards on every carry, so let's, let's okay. stick with that
2: somebody said something interesting on the board just now that I I, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on. Do you think at any point, like Cincinnati goes up 14, nothing in the, in the first half. And then to start the second half, they go up what 28, uh, 12. So they're up 16. Yep. Um, do you think there was any point where they thought like Tulsa is going to start passing and (sighs) and that's maybe why the boxes were so light, like where they're saying, you know, we're going to, we're gonna run. We're gonna rush three and drop eight and make sure, like that they can't get back into this thing. And they zigged and Tulsa zagged. I mean, it was twenty to
0: twelve with what, ten minutes left
2: in the yeah. fourth quarter. Still, they still they they were the
0: running the football. I I think that yeah, possibly. But there and sure we're we can touch on. I mean, there was a mailbag question about it, and we can start talking about it now. But I mean, there were times where. And, and it's not always the three down front, like like you were mentioning before we hopped on the pod, chat. It's it's always more about just who, who all is in the box. And maybe it, it was thinking, you know, Bryn has thrown for over 2,000 yards. Bryn has shown ability. He threw for like 430 yards at Ohio State. So this is a, it, it's kind of a, a two-way offense, but they just had success on the ground. And they really milked that for all of its worth. But I mean, there was a third and one situation and, it was on the on the Bearcats side of the 50. And Cincinnati had three down linemen with Jordan Blanco about two yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And then Ty Van Fossen had to swoop in. He made a great play on it, but it was one yard past the the yard to gain. I right. You know, it was just it was a very just frustrating thing to see. And especially because Aaron during the game, you turned to me and you said, you know, it, uh, the run defense what's what's going on and I was like you know what yeah first half against Tulane the run defense was was bad too but they really strapped up and they they dominated the second half against Tulane and, and shut down the run yeah i mean
1: I, it was it was just frustrating you know i mean you watch now three teams in a row do it to Cincinnati with this run and just this ground and pound and i know we just talked about how they didn't do that initially but then they found out oh okay we're going to we're just going to gash them and so you know i mean you want to see the team make adjustments on the fly instead of waiting till halftime and the t- this team in particular seems to come out after halftime with an extra bit of juice that they didn't have towards the end of the first half more often than not not always the case but you know it was just kind of another one of these situations where it's just like what are we doing here and I don't know. I I just want to see a team again that plays four quarters because I still feel like we have yet to see that team.
0: Yeah. I don't know. The rushing numbers have just been obscene over the last 3 years. I three games. So I put this a little bit in my in my post-game quick wrap up is, you know, the last time 297 rushing yards allowed to Tulsa. You know the last time that they gave up that much yardage or more. It was all the way back in 2017, that that, that famous Navy game where they ran for 500 and whatever yards. That means that this defense has been able to adjust and been able to at least shut down or stymie rushing attacks ever since then, all the way up until now. And I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of different factors going into it, and they've got to shore it up quickly because teams that are running the football – I mean, this this upcoming weekend, USF runs the football. That's right. that's what they do. So is it going to be another one of these where, you know, sure, in the end, Cincinnati pulls out a win and it was a lot of rushing yards piled on by the Bulls? I don't know. I don't know. It does seem like that's that's the one bugaboo for the defense in this team. Well, and I'd
1: be lying if I said I wasn't nervous about a team. You know, you you wrote about it this week, you know, as you were just talking about how they have – these guys who average four, six yards per carry. I'd be lying if I said now I'm a little nervous of of South Florida, which is even weird to say. And I don't like the words coming out of my mouth. (laughs) They gave Houston a scare. I'm, I'm, I would, I mean, and of course, again, we're going to continue to see everyone's best efforts. We're going to continue to see the trickery, the tomfoolery, the silly shit you know just that we don't see from or, or that no one else is seeing from those same teams so yeah I, I with south florida coming up like it's it's just kind of a game that shouldn't be even a concern is now becoming a concern because we've struggled mightily over the course of the last couple games against the run game i
0: don't know it uh it does seem to be something that obviously needs to be fixed and I don't know if it's schematics. It, 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 that certainly seems to be what it is because, I mean, you have players like T- Jordan Blanco had 17 tackles in the game th- this past week. It, like, he should be praised for bringing out that many players. And, and of course, back to back goal line stands. I mean, I don't know how many teams in the country, ensure sure, there were some boneheaded plays by Tulsa, one being Davis Brent, I don't know why he slid at that point. But anyway. I don't know how many teams in the country could come up with eight straight plays to stop the opposing team from getting into the end zone. I, it just seems like it's it's a very tall task to put in front of a defense, especially when, you're, when your defense goes off to the sidelines, thinking they just won the game. And then they get pushed back onto the field. That should be the moment of a letdown. That should be when all momentum is on Tulsa's side and they pick up – the two or three yards needed to get into the end zone. So n- not enough is talked about that to truly have the, the championship caliber red zone defense, which is huge, especially because we talk about bend and break, bend and break, bend and break. And this was a, a point where they just didn't break. They are the number two team in the country in the red zone. I don't know. I haven't checked the updated stats. Maybe they passed Georgia and they're the number one team in the red zone at this point, but it's a, it's definitely a stat that should be talked about more and a moment in this game that should be highlighted more than the fact that they should have won by a lot more.
2: Yeah. You guys, I got, you guys handle things for a minute. Okay.
0: Okay. We got it. Okay. We will. Aaron, you were able to go onto the field for Mm -hmm. the, for, for the closing of the fourth quarter. Yeah. What was, it like out there on the field when you saw just play after play after play, trying post to trying to pull off the, the, the massive upset or at least push the game into overtime. Because like David said, sitting up in the in the press box when they got the ball back in my mind, I was never really even nervous that they were going to drop the game. It was more just frustration because, yeah, gosh, here we go again. So, I mean, the crowd was loud. I that's really
1: like the first full quarter that I've spent on the field all season. Um, I don't, or at least in a, in a game that was close like that. I don't know that I've spent an entire quarter on the field, but, uh, right. but it was, it was definitely loud. I mean, you look across though, from where I was in the uh, underneath the Bearcats layer to where the student section was. And unfortunately you see about, I don't know, a quarter, a third of the student section gone because They'd been partying probably all night into game day. Oh yeah. Through game day, through the tailgate. Right. And then trying to deal with all of the chaos that they're in, you know, partook during the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I mean, there was, that was one thing that I will say is just the crowd never gave up on this team. They stayed loud. They were never like hushed by what Tulsa was trying to do. Right. Um, I don't remember the name of the guy, the running back for Tulsa, who I believe was like 242,
0: 242 pounds. I mean, just what? Yeah, two, the, the, the big guy, Stephen Steven Anderson, that would come in. Was that 23? The, as a bowling ball. No, 23 is their speedster, Anthony Watkins. Okay, Stephen that, Anderson that is that, that real big dude that would come in and yeah. try and just, yeah. 24. Okay, the, yeah, one, 24. one off.
1: Thanks, Chad. Um, but, yeah, it was just. They Like I said, they never gave up. The crowd was intense. And, you know, for especially for the recruits, because, of course, I'm always thinking that way when I'm there covering the games. But for the recruits that were there and, and stuck around because, you know, half the recruits actually were gone by halftime, unbelievably. Right. Um, but it, they they got to see a team that doesn't give up. They got to see, I mean, who st- who has two goal line stands like that in a row, one play away from each other because of the, the botched handoff that Des admitted was was his fault. You know Snap s- Snap. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Dad.
0: Uh to, to back you up, Aaron, it was a handoff from the center to the quarterback, but that is considered a snap. So semantics. You're okay. Right. You're right. okay. But yes, Aaron, I championship teams are the teams that pull that out. And that's what this team is trying to be. That's what they were last year when they won the AAC championship. That's what they're going to continue to be for the rest of the year. But, of course, got to make some changes because Houston is a very good team, and it's looking like that would be the AAC championship opponent. SMU has now got to be as angry as possible following back-to-back losses. I'm sure that they're wanting to right the ship and then put all sights on that game the following week at Cincinnati, which, by the way, are you hoping for a three thirty or night? I want one more nip at night. Give the uh, give the fans what they want.
1: Well, here's but, the thing, though. You start at three thirty. It's going to be night by five. So who cares?
0: True, true. But 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 when it is that night game, you have the ability to call it nip at night. You aren't going to call it afternoon at the nip or something. I'm I'm trying to call it going to bed before two a.m. Ah, please, please. While we're young, while we're young. But still, Aaron. There were some good things. It looked like it was going to be the Desmond Ritter get right game that, where he was going to really blow up and everything. Yeah. He had a good first half, you know, 274 yards through the air, two touchdowns, had another good, good couple rushes. He, he led the team in rushing with 43 yards Had another rushing touchdown. Um, Alec Pierce made some NFL caliber receptions. The connection couple, between Des and Alec are just great. He had, he had
1: a couple that were so close though. It was just like, come on, man. Like, yeah, especially towards the end when I was the down was there in the, late. Yeah. in the fourth quarter, where right. it just it hit him in both arms, slipped right through, and I had a front row seat to watching that ball go right through both arms. It was just like, ah.
0: Yeah. It, well, he he did he got hit right after right as he was going up. I, right. And I
1: wondered if he was like nervous about the hit.
0: And then Trey Tucker as well got got behind the defense and and dove for the ball there. It looked like he might have been able to. Possibly snag that one in as well. well. It, it was
1: good that he was even back in the game. Let's let's be honest. Oh yeah. After yeah, the, taking that shot to the head, the uh, no
0: call, helmet to helmet, the targeting uh, call targeting that, no that, that call. should have been called. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. You know, it, still, it's it was a. Well, and ahead. you didn't you didn't
1: even bring up Michael Young finally catching the ball again because he's he's struggled in the last several games to get both hands on the ball. I don't know what it is about him liking to catch the ball while falling down or already on the ground. But that seems to be his thing of late, but I'll it wasn't the end zone. We'll give him that. I'll, I'll take it for what it is. He he did catch the ball in the end zone. So that was nothing but a good thing.
0: And then another thing is we only got one half of drone for mm-hmm. And we we've, we've seen that he has proven at times to be one of the better players in the country in all college football. And, only had him for one half. He He's getting more and more introduced to the passing game. Two receptions for 67 yards. And at one point, I think that we saw one that looked like possibly if he was able to make one man miss. Could have gone for a lot more, possibly a touchdown. I think that ended up being the drive where Des got sacked twice and then the uh, misfield attempt by the Bearcats. So, you know, it'll be, it'd be interesting to see how Jerome's doing this week coming into the game if he's able to play in his home state against a team that recruited him heavily out of high school. Um we well, be interested in, to see if he's back and so but. For
1: the for those who don't know, he was back on the field on the bike and you know trying to get right to get back on the field. He wasn't yeah. like in a boot or on crutches or anything wild, but I think that with Jerome Ford going out the way he did for missing the entire second half, I think we we've, we've solidified that Jerome Ford's the MVP of this
0: team, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of MVPs, but it, he, he's definitely <laughs> considered one of them. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, what he's been able to do and and the great games that he's had, yeah, I, I think he'd be out there for the conversation. There's no doubt. But but, but gosh, it did seem like it was going to be the Desmond Ritter game in that first quarter. It seemed like he was just clicking and, and running a lot more and having great just decisions left and right. I don't know. It just seems as if... Things, things were great in the first quarter great in the third quarter that second and fourth were just so mind-boggling and yep. but yeah here we are 28 to 20 a victory um this is a very talented team but it's it's one that well, who knows maybe a short week to just get completely on pay on the pay on the, on the right page and maybe block out the other outside noise because you have got a friday night game coming up Maybe that'll be something that'll just spark something and and they'll go into Tampa and I don't know, be, be, be wild. Just win fantastically. Uh, one can hope. So Chad, any, uh, anything closing on, on the, the football side of things?
2: Uh, no. I, no, there's, there's stuff going on right now.
0: Too much <laughs> stuff, too much
2: stuff, stuff going on, stuff going on right now.
0: Yes. Okay, well, let's hope that we hear about that stuff here on the BBP. Um, eventually. Probably not. Probably not. Well, you know,
2: I, I think there's a good chance there's some stuff you'll hear about in the, in the very near future. Okay. I don't know if it'll be tonight,
0: oh. but soon. But the stuff.
2: Speaking yeah. of stuff. Excuse. Hold on a second. I'll be right back. I got to go downstairs and hit preheat on the oven.
0: Are you? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, speaking of stuff, um... that's that was a joke, Brent. <laughs> no, I no, I I completely got the joke, and I hope everyone else who's listening that did too. Um, that's that's about it. I'm but... sorry, I just saw
1: no reaction on your face, and I just heard a little shake okay. in your voice. So, Ooh. oh, <laughs> whoa, that's a... oh. I just want you to know, like, I work with Ed, so, like, you have to understand. How- I love it, too.
0: <laughs> Gosh, no, I, let's skip dinner altogether. <laughs> is that good?
1: I thank you for that.
0: Okay. All of that. There we go. Yum, 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 yum. Anyway, uh, speaking of stuff. Uh, speaking of stuff. There is the Cincinnati stuff. That's a basketball team that used to be in Cincinnati. Um, There's another basketball team in Cincinnati that spires up tomorrow. They start playing their basketball games tomorrow. That is the University of Cincinnati Bearcat basketball team, West Miller, year one, taking on the Evansville Purple Aces and Todd Licklider. Welcome to Licklider Basketball Camp here at Butler. And anyway, so.
1: That must be a commercial thing out in Indiana that none of us got the joke.
0: I, I don't know. Look it up, I guess. Big time start of a new regime, new tenure. Everything is getting together and firing up at the right time. Basketball is back. Tomorrow night, Evansville comes in. The spread was coming out, bouncing around 7.5 to 8. My preview is up on the board, up on the website. Aaron and Chad, we did our complete, you know, breakdown of of the season. Kind of a nice preview and everything going into it. But what, maybe some some rough expectations leading into Game One against Evansville? Are we expecting 10,000 fans in attendance? Are we are we hoping for a a double digit win? Are we going to see West digging as deep as eleven? In the rotation, what what kind of are just some rough expectations or, or hopes that you have heading into the return to Fifth Third Arena and the start of the West Miller era?
1: Honestly, like, I don't necessarily care how much we win by as long as we win. I'm more about trying to see several different rotations, trying to try out some different things, and trying to see what works, what doesn't work, and trying to really see what, what you got. Like, I don't care if we know what kind of coach Wes, Mel- Wes Miller is after one game, because I don't mm-hmm. think that you're really going to see his offense or his defense yeah, th- through the entirety of the season, really. like you- You'll get some glimpses of it here and there, but this team isn't built necessarily to be Wes Miller's offensive defense as we've talked at length about. So, you know, I just – if you listen to the, uh, the basketball preview. Right. But, you know, I mean, I just want to see some different rotations. I want to see – um what you got and cuz there's a lot of unknowns here there's so many question marks and if we see 11 deep if we see you know 12 deep i'm i'm not upset by any of that that just means that we should be up pretty well um but i, I even if we aren't up pretty well and still running out like you know four or five six different rotations throughout the game i'm good with that just to find out who these players are and who works well together
0: yeah. I, I mean, this is the game against uh, Evanville was not good last year. Um, they are a team that's also going to probably be without their second best player um, and have a couple of starters that, uh, you know, first time starters and, and some, some, some real lack of depth in the, in the post, if you will. And it seems like that might be the strength, at least initially is defense and toughness in the post for the Bearcats. So um I think this is a chance to to, like you said win. Just come out, do anything you can to win the football, the the football, the basketball game. And I I think that, yeah, as someone posted on the board, defense I think will show through and rebounding and toughness. And then you get that push from the crowd. Hopefully, it's a big crowd on hand. I don't know what kind of the the psyche is in Cincinnati. I don't know if they're pumping it on the on the TV channels to, to get out to fifth third and, and and catch the team player or or things of that sort. Um, But, you know, I'm interested to see how many, uh, how packed the third is for the return of fans and and everything of that sort. But yeah, I mean, I think in the end, it's going to be where West decides, Hey, yes, I, I want to figure out this team along the way as well, but I want to win this, this basketball game. I'm going to put the players that I think can win this game out there on the court for the longest time in order to come out with the W in the end. So I'm excited to see kind of, yeah, who, who's going to step up. Is it going to be David DeJulius I would expect? Is it going to be Jeremiah Davenport knocking down the shots when needed? Or or are we going to see some some guys in the post really try and take over and establish themselves as well? I don't know.
1: Do you think he's going to play more hot hand than what we've seen over the course of the last couple of years? Yeah. I'm, or I mean, is it just going to be rotation-based?
0: I think probably hot hand unless he's – unless he finds a lineup that is just dominating in some facets of the game, whether it's defense, just completely locking down, or, or whether they've got a couple guys that are starting to, to, to hit some shots from, from deep or working into the post or get, get good motion. I don't I don't quite know, but I think that uh, in the end, it's going to be all about winning the basketball game. And if that means playing David DeJulius and, and Jeremiah Davenport, the 35 minutes needed to get to that win, or the 30-plus minutes needed, then I think it's going to happen.
1: I hope you don't have to do that against Evansville. But
0: yeah, I, I am I so super,
1: super excited to see the debut of Victor locked in.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's what's his over-under minutes? Should we put it at 12, you think? Um, 12 and I a think, half? Chad, you're on mute.
2: Sorry, a lot going on. I know. Uh, I, I think what will be interesting is uh, – you know, the, the, we're going to see this dynamic dynamic. I think a lot this year where the other team is much, much smaller than Cincinnati. Right. And how does, how do the rotations react? How does less react? Does he lean into playing bigger? Does he lean into, you know, instead going more with like a a JD at the, the four, uh, for me, that part of it is going to be the most fun.
0: Yeah especially because Evansville's two post players. One is an outside shooter who they want to start rebounding more. The other one is someone who the fan base considers a little soft um, and, and needs to really toughen up on the inside. So going up against a, a six-year Abdul Ado and a Hayden Koval, who's going to contest everything at the rim, and then right. Odio Guama. And then even Victor Hawkins, I mean, yes, that's gonna be a tall task for those two starting postmen and then their next men off, the, no off the bench. Yeah, their the next man off the bench is a freshman. So yeah, I am completely all in on seeing how dominant they could be in the post.
2: Yeah, and can Odie like does Odie have the ability to move out and guard, like if you're playing right. a small ball four, like, right? That's gonna that's gonna earn Odie more time. Yeah. If he can play 5? No, if he can if he can move well enough to guard like a, a stretch four. Stretch four? Yeah. You know, he's going to play the 4. Like I, I I don't like the 5 is going to be uh, you know, you've got
0: Log Jam,
2: yeah. yeah well, just got to a know four, if, you've got Koval, you've got you've got Victor.
1: If you decide you want to play fast though, I don't know do you have anybody with the height that that Odie has? that if you if you again six
2: eight six seven six eight but if you're, just not trying, if you're just
1: trying to run
2: up and down the floor this team's not running up and down the floor bro
0: one can dream
2: they don't have the depth on the wings yet like it's they'll, coming they'll
0: defend up and down the floor possibly yeah but,
2: but this this isn't going to be uh you know 94 feet both ways <laughs>
0: <laughs> like it's that in the, that's in the urn But challenge might favor the aggressor on defense.
2: This is just not, it's not, they're not built right now to to just run. Chance Chance favors the aggressor. They're not built right now to just run nonstop. So, but, you know, is there potentially, you know, a a situation where you see Odie sum at the five? Yeah, I think that's possible, but there's just, you already are three deep at center. Like, where he's going to get himself into minutes is showing that he can play the four and do so by guarding out in space. I think because he's got great quickness. He's got great athleticism. If he can use that to be effective when teams try to go small on Cincinnati, then I think that that's an opportunity for him to, to get some more minutes.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Wes Miller is completely locked in. Um, on the field before the game on on saturday he's just talking to somebody and, and he just completely kept saying yeah this atmosphere is awesome and everything but i can't stop thinking about tuesday tuesday is is all that's on my mind right now no and i mean it's that's what you want to hear from your coach i mean obviously it's it's what you expect to hear but coming from him and, and all the different things that have come out especially today with that great article by justin williams um you know, too. it's it just, I don't know. Some never, some, never heard of him. Some, I, I, think he used to play point guard at Duke. Is what I. Oh, I was it's old. the
2: guy. It's the guy that works for David Oven.
0: That's Jason yes, Williams. That's it. That's it.
2: Oh, is it Jason Jay, Williams?
0: Jason, Jason Williams, Williams from the Williams America. at the point Atlantic. Guard. Okay, that's <laughs> what it is. He for
2: the. Writes for the. Writes Atlantic. for the
0: Atlantic and covers. Basket. The ocean. The ocean. The ocean. That's, what that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could so <laughs> big. You could throw it in the ocean. That's what it was. Okay. But yeah. No. I. I mean, it just. We can continue to talk about this season and what's to come, but we really need to just get a first game in front of our eyes. Yeah, I need to know. see this
2: team. Yeah,
0: I like, mean, let's it's, see it. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. And and I think this week is when the college football playoff comes out at nine, so could be an an interesting post game uh, little. Little gathering to see what uh, what unfolds from there, but anyway, college basketball is back and should make for
2: should make for a fun, pardon the punctuation, tomorrow night.
0: Oh, and give
2: Aaron a little bit more time to get home from the game.
0: Thank God, Ooh. Aaron, get your butt home about the PTP. But still, I love college basketball. I love college football, but I love college basketball, man. And uh, I'm excited. Lamp- I'm excited that it's back. Yeah, I love Lamp too. I love that. What what
2: what's going to be the uh inebriation level after the game tomorrow, Aaron, when you get home to do the PTP?
1: So, it's really going to depend on if I start drinking before I go to the game. That's oh. that's that's really what 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 everything's dependent on. So, it's it's really kind of up in the air. We'll see. Obviously, things aren't quite as serious when we do, pardon the punctuation. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of wiggle room with PTP as opposed to here. Yeah, but BBC. I've seen you.
2: I've seen you after some basketball. Oh, games. I'm aware I, I was there. You're not um, you're not almost. in any shape to do a
0: podcast. It's true. And, and you but... will be Ubering home tomorrow, not driving. We did not make that public on the airwaves.
1: I'm not even sure I'll be able to afford a drink. So it's, it's...
2: <laughs> Aaron, Aaron,
0: I will find you and I'll buy you a Brent young special drink tomorrow.
2: That there sounds like a Pepsi. I, I sent you money tonight.
0: That sounds like a Pepsi my ass. <laughs> Are you going as
1: a fan, or are you going as?
0: No, I'll be sitting next to an empty chair and s- saying hello to my my guy that I've been watching the games for the past two seasons from afar. All right, fair enough. That's Chad Brendan. Right. That is Chad well, Brendan. I'll
1: I'll be up in the in the far corner. Yeah. Oh, um. Like as as you as you see the court, I'm in the opposite corner. Okay. Up in the rafters, about. Okay six rows from
0: the uh the ceiling so take some take some tissues with you because that my friend is what we call the nosebleeds but guys hold on hold on yeah there,
2: there you go aaron
0: <laughs> well
2: at least
1: bottle. i'll at least have a uh, beer yeah,
2: yeah. oh Thanks. oh, did Thanks. you send more what's your, what's your what's your venmo <laughs> i just bought him a uh, beer let's um,
1: my my Venmo is AC Smith thirty seven. Feel free to send it. I appreciate it.
2: Oh let's, man, he's oh, gonna
0: be it, inebriated.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's sitting there enough for Abir AC Smith thirty seven, and then we'll see how inebriated he is. On pardon the punctuation, ACP might
0: be real crazy. <laughs> AC Smith thirty seven. There you go. There you go. Same uh, as my Twitter handle. Let's do. Let's do a quick score prediction. Then let's hop into the mailbag. Yep. Um. I don't know. I mean,
2: for basketball tomorrow night. Yeah, basketball yeah. tomorrow night.
1: Okay. I I mean, we're are we going actual score. Or are we going over? Yeah, under? we're going actual score.
0: What is I'll the over s- under on this
2: one? Sixty four fifty
1: two. Okay. Wow. I
0: don't. I like it. I like it.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You go first, Brent. I don't even. I don't feel good about any of this. <laughs> Okay. It's not
0: going to be 90-0, but <laughs> um huh so let's see here. I'd say yeah, 90-0 would be nice though, man. Would that be a party or what? Um I mean that's what I put on my prediction piece for football and you see how that played out. Let's go. Let's go 68 to 54.
1: I think I'll go 60 60- to 55. I think it's actually going to be closer than I want it to be than anybody wants it to be. Um, Cincinnati still wins. I will say that. Okay. But
0: uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a little little close as this team figures out how to gel. Okay, and then one last thing. The fan attendance, let's go over under 10,000. For the fan attendance? For the fan attendance.
1: Well over. over. The students sold out like
0: Tickets are selling I'm very just well. Trying to raise excitement. What the hell you. are you talking about? Thank you. Good to know you're going to be there, Aaron. Find me for a beer. Anyway, but yeah, I think it'll be uh I think it'll be a good, good barometer, not really for the rest of the season, but what to expect in the first few games. And then as things kind of tighten up from there. So I'm excited to, to, to see the unknown, how much everyone plays, who is. The first, second, and third inning score, but still, that probably won't matter when Game Five rolls around. But either way, it'll be a, uh, it'll be an exciting and interesting start. And uh, the basketball's back. Bearcat basketball's back.
1: Uh, the mailbag mm-hmm. point spread, by the way, is nine and a half on that game. It's all the way up to nine and a half. now. very all good. All the way up to nine and a half currently. So
2: I think it's fairly close for like thirty minutes, and then I think UC's depth pulls them away late. That's my guess.
1: All right, so we've been going for about an hour and a half, so keep that in mind as we're answering these questions. We will go quickly, but for a mailbag that I posted late, we've got some decent questions in here. So um, is it time to start worrying about defense, the defensive run game?
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, I, like I said on the board, like I said in my article, like I said on Twitter.
1: Like Coach Luke I, Fickle said in his presser.
2: Like, I I just didn't like that they were playing far too often with like a five-man box, a six-man box against a team that was trying to run it right at you. Like, in a five-man box, it doesn't matter if your linebackers blitz. It doesn't matter how many guys you have at the line of scrimmage. Like, you have to, in in that scenario, you have to win a one-on-one battle every snap. And that, that just, that, that's not how it works. Like stopping the run, especially a team that, that wants to run it at you. 60% of their 80 plays, right. Mm-hmm. It's a number. It's like rebounding. It's a numbers game. <laughs> you're a better rebounding team in basketball. Since we're in the basketball mode a little bit over the last segment. If, if you're, if you're sending three, and they're sending four. you better fucking hope Dennis Rodman's on your team because the odds are they're going to be better at rebounding than you because they have the numbers advantage right now, for whatever reason, especially against, I didn't see it against Tulane, especially in the second half, they stacked the box. Yeah. That, I love a know, good they'd... worm.
1: I love a good worm
2: reference. Yeah. The worm was all, that, like, that's, you know, I've hung out with Carmen election before
1: one has very much to do with the other but not anymore
2: not anymore but i i've been in her like i've been in her presence i was in the same group of people that her group of people were hanging out with
1: not like dapping it up or anything
2: like you know like we were in like her group of friends was hanging with my group of friends okay well done that's not like being in the bar and she was there that's like okay well i
1: i was Looking for clarification,
2: you gave We that. were We were at, a, we were at a, a club in Hollywood, and then our group was hanging out with her group because somebody in our group went to high school with her back yeah. here in Cincinnati. You hollered, Cincinnati! five <laughs> one three. Um, <laughs> although I was from Northern Kentucky at the time, so it would have been like, 606! She would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> nerd! Get the fuck out of here, Nerd! <laughs> Um,
1: just imagine what she'd say now.
2: Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I own my own business. What's up? <laughs> uh, um, it's a numbers game, and, and if you're not gonna play the numbers game and you're gonna allow them to have the numbers advantage, it's gonna be difficult for you to stop them. So that's kind of my take on it,
0: especially because Tolhu was keeping a tight end in the in the backfield as well. It's for six both on five, those runs. a lot yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. It, and that tight end happened to be the and most fated man. Asshole. Post, the, the, there's this play. Go back and watch it. There's a play where he is blocking Joe DeBlanco. He does get flagged for, for holding on the on the play, but he tackles him, tackles Joel de and then continues to punch him in the throat. He's punching yeah. Joel in the throat. <sighs> I don't know. It's there's I, some, I'm interested. I'm gonna
2: know. ask around tomorrow hopefully i'll be able to be on campus tomorrow that's it's trending in that direction hopefully oh. um that he was like messing with his glove like he had something in his glove i'm gonna ask around tomorrow and see if there was any nefarious activity with that asshole's glove
1: a blade like the peaky blinders
2: i, I was thinking maybe like up. a tack like a thumbtack or something oh man
1: that'd be real messed up
2: or like a rock yeah just something in there so you can you get a little a little. a advantage
1: all right <sighs> so sorry if i miss, missed this somewhere but are we actively recruiting sunny styles or is that more of just taking a big swing after a huge win i mean if you can land sunny styles you'd land sunny styles but i think everybody knew that your back was against the wall in that one doesn't mean that you're not going to try sure you're going to take a big swing but his brother goes to notre dame his cousins go to ohio state cincinnati just
2: luke luke played with his dad so like there's a relationship there so yeah, they're they're taking a swing at Sonny Styles, but like, are they going to hit a home run with that swing? Uh, I would guess a difficult uh, a difficult pitch to hit. Let's say that it's like a it's an uphill battle. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> like a ninety four mile an hour slider on the outside corner. Like good luck, sweet. Like ask A. Eugenio Suarez how hard those are to hit.
1: I mean, he struggles to hit 84 mile an hour curveballs right now. So that's, I don't know if that's fair. All right. Uh, Looking ahead to the future, which 2022 commit excited you the most?
2: Football. This is football. Yes. Okay. I can't answer that yet.
1: I will say, of the kids that I have been around, that I have, you know, gotten to know all of that. I was probably before this game, most excited about, and again, I'm going with the people that I've met face to face, not the like JQ. I've not met face to face yet. He's not been here for a game. So I haven't gotten to meet JQ. Um, Tyler Gillison. Is, it looks like he's going to be a dude. Big Shep looks like he's going to be a dude, but Luke Dalton is a large man. And I think he's going to be a stud here, and I think he's wildly underrated. And I look forward to seeing what he is going to develop into.
0: Yeah, I kind of, kind of what we were talking about on Saturday on the field before the game. Ethan uh, Green too is, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, CJ Doggett is is rated higher Mm on two four seven Sports, and, and I'm really excited to see what he brings. But yep you know, it's, it is crazy seeing the amount of athleticism that he, and then especially Tyler Gillison has and, and Gillison's a big dude. Um, I mean, those are, those are two big dudes coming, coming from pick, pick central. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what Gillison does. Uh I think he's got kind of just that, that motor and athleticism that could really translate to playing, you know, whether it's, you know, standing up or on the outside of the defensive line. And, and of course uh I mean, I think out of the receivers, Marcus Peterson had some, had some really good games, really good plays. But I, don't sleep on Quincy Burroughs. He looked like he had a different level to his game throughout the season in the highlights that I watched. Good size as well. Um, I think that that those two wide receivers are really gonna, really going to do a number here at the next level. And that's
1: even without mentioning, you know, a Stefan Bird or a Marcus Peterson. Uh Sincere Lewis was here this week and he looked longer he's, and reindeer yeah, yeah. than uh than I anticipated. Danny Just Lewis like, is six five. Yeah. I haven't gotten to meet Let's him see, yet.
2: I I would go like, look, for me, the secondary is is really like what differentiates this team. Sure. And I think that in terms of philosophy is going to continue going forward. So I will go Oliver Bridges or, and, or Kalen Carroll.
1: He told me he's going to be here for SMU and that'll be in uh, my ICR since we're doing two ICRs a week now. Um, so, so next back,
2: like we're just, we're cranking out as much recruiting content as possible. I get
1: it. Um, but yeah, he'll be, he'll be here against SMU. So I'll finally have a chance to meet the, kid with the deepest voice on the team. So excited about that. I'm I'm really excited to be a bear. <laughs> Cincinnati's a place I've always wanted to be. All right, what no Tigers. A, What no, it's not that. He's not from Louisville. You know he's
0: he's from Maryland. I, a, know. He's from, I know. That's a whole different All of us were maybe all of us were about to be shouting that. Unless you had the ball with the chance to score and win. I know. What are the chances
1: USF plays four-down ball like Navy, and if they do, how do we do? How do How we snuff it out? According to ESPN, stats are top three running backs average 4.4, 6.7, and 6.2 yards per carry, respectively, and they have 19 touchdowns on the ground versus five touchdowns through the air.
2: I would say the chances are 127.4% that they try to run the ball as much as possible.
1: Was there a significance to that number or just the one that you picked out of your head?
2: Just the largest number, close to 100, but over 100, that that came to my mind.
1: I didn't know if there was like a radio call center or something. (laughs) No,
2: there was no hidden meaning in that. But they're going to run the ball a lot. Everybody, like the blueprint is out. It is now up to Cincinnati to change, to counter the counter, right? To be the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, you got to counter the counter.
0: Yeah, they're gonna run the football they're gonna run the football they're gonna run the football but
2: then they're gonna run the football again
0: what did the uh what did mike Tressel and the entire defense do this week to uh slowly try and chip away at this rushing attack i i mean it's i i hate it i hate watching those games because man that defense is is unbelievable but we'll find
1: out to be continued Have you heard anything regarding Tanner LeMaster? I know he dropped the top two of UC and UK after his visit there this weekend. Do you think we'll get another shot at him on campus before his commitment?
2: What was that again? One more time I was reading something. Sorry.
1: Tanner LeMaster, do we have a shot at him before he commits?
2: Uh, I
1: think it was answered in
0: one of the threats, right?
2: Yeah, I think if he commits soon, it won't be Cincinnati. And that's not a knock on the kid. They like the kid. Uh, Like I said in the, I think it was the 2023 recruiting thread or the thread on Tanner himself, one or the other. Um, He like, just when they had him at camp, like he he camped here, he camped Ohio State, Mm -hmm. like his his 40 times were up above five. Like when you look at Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor and Shaman Mateer, Danny Lewis, and you're talking – long, agile, athletic tight ends. Um, So I I think if there's an opportunity for him to commit to Cincinnati, it'll be a little farther down the road and it'll be probably as a guy that's going to play with his hand in the dirt. I I just, I I just don't like, yeah, I think they've had a need for like a, you know, an inline tight end, but I think they absolutely like to take one of those physical guys and turn him into a, a physical tight end. Right. You know? So, um, I, I just, if it's happening soon, uh, I don't think Cincinnati's ready to, to sail on that ocean, like right away until they get some more answers on, you know, what exactly he is and where does he fit in, in the plans going forward. That would be my guess.
1: Well, everything I know on Taylor Lemaster, you pretty well said. So I can't add go. any, I can't add anything there. Um also do you think there's a chance we see more four-down lineman sets this week on defense since USF will probably run the ball a lot?
2: Yeah. I don't care. I I don't care about the three four or the three three five four three thing. That is what everybody is caught up in. I don't care. I care about how many bodies are in the box to stop the run. If you have, let's say hypothetically, you run a 4-2, right? You're on a 4-2-5. And you have your four down linemen and you have one linebacker in the box and, you know, the other coverage linebacker seven yards from the line of scrimmage like uh, Van Fossen and Pace were for the large part of the, the Tulsa game, you're still going to have trouble stopping the run. You've only got five bodies in the box. It's not about how many guys do you have on the line of scrimmage. It's a matchup. It's, a, it's, it's a numbers. It's, right. Again, it's numbers. If you have six or seven or or even, you know, eight guys in the box, lean into the fact you have two elite corners. You have really, really, really good safeties behind them.
1: Well, we talked about that on the phone, Chad, you and I, where, you know, they're not even looking Sauce's way. So how many times a game could you potentially sneak him in on a blitz where they're not looking that direction at all?
2: The quarterback wasn't even remotely aware Sauce blitzed because he never even glanced at the guy Sauce was covering. Never even blank. And he went through like two progressions. Like he was. And then all of a sudden he was sad. Wow. Because saw blitzed and it like left his guy open and he just was unaware because quarterbacks have just decided I ain't fucking throwing that way at that guy. <laughs> no.
1: All right. Uh, best uniform combo home and away.
2: Black, black, black. Yep. Home. Hundred
1: percent, hundred percent, black them out.
2: I like, uh, what? Red, white, black. I think on the road, the red, red helmets, red the white helmets, jerseys, white, black
0: pants, black pants,
2: and I, the black white,
0: black white. Black. Actually,
2: I think my favorite, the black white black with the white face mask. They've what they've only done that once, right? I, a, a, a once or twice, but. The, the white face masks on the road to match the white uniform, I think, is clean.
0: You know what? I kind of like white, white pants, white jersey, with that white helmet, right? Right, guys? You stole my take. I was going to say. <laughs> I, was, I was joking. I don't like it. No, I'm I don't
1: here. like the white helmet. I'm here all day for the white helmet. Uh-oh. All this ridiculousness about Oh, the white helmet. We lose games or games are close or whatever.
0: Hey, guys. Cancel that. Cancel the AC Smith 37 Venmo. Cancel the Venmo.
1: I don't care, man. It's ridiculous. Like, it's a clean look. It really is. And damn everybody who's...
2: There's a curse on the
1: white
0: helmet. Nothing Nothing tops. The black, black, and black on Nip at night—that is just—it's just, home, just sure. a phenomenal look. I was going all it's white like,
1: for for the for the
0: road.
2: Right. Black, black on black on black is a top five look and top ten look in, in all
0: sports of football. In sports, I'd say, for me at least. I
1: also like when they do the uh, the carbon fiber look. They haven't done that in a minute. They haven't, but the carbon fiber is a good look. Okay. All right. How does Prater get his helmet on? Very strategically. I wouldn't know. I have, I have the opposite of his hair.
0: <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's pretty fluffy. So I bet if you just put it back and slam that helmet on, it'll be all good. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, Tulsa
1: ran the ball very well, very frustrating. But Tulsa came into the game with 2,084 passing yards and 1,415 rushing yards. Um, Tulsa had 27 pass attempts. UC only had 23. Bryn was credited with seven rush attempts, so it were probably pass play calls. Even so, UC held Tulsa to 160 yards passing. So Tulsa did want to pass, but UC shut them down. Masses are calling for all kinds of changes and adjustments. Stop the run. Do you think they intended? The intended strategy was to stop their passing game. The relative their relative strength all year first and then dare them to beat us on the ground. In other words, do you really think U.C. will make any significant changes in the defense or strategy going forward kind of seems purposeful at this point to focus on stopping the pass first, at least for teams like Tulsa that have had some success passing the ball. I'm not even sure having read that, what was even just asked.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. Hmm. There was a, there was a lot there. There was a lot there. Um, Break it down for us, Brent. Okay, interesting. Uh, in other words, do you really think you see will make some many significant changes? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think what it is is they know that they're better than every team that they play from here on out, and until they reach a certain you know level. But I think they're going to stick to what they what they know, and I think maybe they do start to start to say, "Hey, you know, defensive backs, we're starting to, um, you know, starting to see if." you guys can handle a little bit more pressure because we are going to put more in the box, like Chester and Prucci. We are going to take more gambles in the running game. So I don't know. I think maybe they do send a couple more run blitzes. Maybe they do have the six in the box and, and seven in the box and, and say, Hey guys, we're going to put you all on islands here in these situations. Are you going to be able to do it? And all four or five are going to say, yes, leave us in, leave us on these islands. We will be able to handle it. So I think um, I think it'll be interesting to see how teams start to combat against the changes that the Cincinnati defense will do schematically to take away the run. Because I mean, I do it once, sure. That's that's just maybe running the triple option. Do it twice, sure. That's just too lame without their starting quarterback. But do it three times with a Tulsa team that has Davis Brin, who's thrown for over two thousand yards on the season. Yeah maybe it's time to start to look a little bit further into how we can combat against the run so well um, and
1: as we've already talked about with South Florida they have three pretty good backs yeah averaging and, four six and six per carry so yeah you gotta you got to be ready to make those adjustments but right right you kind of beat that horse into the ground at this point i agree all right um what is going on with the most with the recent number of decommitments, agree Graham's eye on cheeks, is this something we should be worried about?
2: There are adjustments at the end of every recruiting class. At the end of this recruiting class, you are looking at a team that was initially recruiting to the American conference, that is now recruiting to the Big 12 conference. There are going to be changes. Big 12.
1: Ch- ch- changes
0: burning face (laughs) changes the opposite obviously don't change i thought you were gonna go tupac on me Um, Uh, it was it was the start of it and then i ended it quickly
1: any updates on the locker room slash other rooms remodel seems like there were some newer backgrounds highlighted on game day
2: uh they did the team room already so the team room has been renovated. They've added some new graphics and and whatnot around the team room. The locker room will start uh, right as soon as the season ends, and we'll get we should get some updates on that. We as as everybody knows, we know a guy that works in construction and works on some facilities things at the university. of It might of be Cincinnati. that time, right? It might be. And that 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 guy might also be a contributor here Ooh. at Bearcat Journal, That you know, a part-time contributor here at Bearcatjournal.com. So
0: while wow, we woo. It's time, it's time, it's time. It might be time. All right. Continue.
1: So uh, Chad, now that Cunningham has been here for a little while, do you get the sense that he's the type of person always looking for the next quote? big time end quote job or is he more like fickle in that sense no idea or because guess
2: what i've talked to john cunningham a hundred times i have no idea like the the what john cunningham what makes john cunningham tick right (laughs) like he's 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 very close to the vest he's very guarded he's a lawyer of course he is yeah right like well there are some lawyers that that go 100 miles an hour. Last
0: B- name Mars, <laughs> yeah. first name Tom.
2: Fox, first name Brian.
0: <laughs> right. right, there's two right off the cuff.
2: Um, but John is is very guarded. Like he he's not gonna let you let you really get a sense for what he's thinking or where his head's at, what he's feeling. So you know that's it's part of what he does. That's part of who he is.
1: Regardless, of this one, I think we're. It's pretty safe to say he's kind of sealed a little bit of a legacy here
2: he's done a
0: great job here well and also job. you got to think when he came into it he probably wasn't expecting to have a number two ranked in the AP people football team all, right off the bat and then having a move to the big 12 right off the bat it, and then a, a a coach that has completely endeared the entire well, city I of mean, Cincinnati he, right off the bat as well
2: he took over with a, a football coach that had two back-to-back 11 win seasons like Right. There was definitely like the, one, the the questions at his introductory press conference were.
0: Yeah. Retaining. When are you going to give
2: when right. are you going to give Luke Fickle his extension? And yeah. when are you going to get Luke Fickle his extension? Like that was right. that was the gist of his press conference. But, hey, welcome to Cincinnati. And uh, if you don't extend Luke Fickle, we're going to run your ass out of town <laughs> like that. That was his presser.
0: Yeah. And look at, look at where we are now. Right. All
1: right. Uh, any word on what color UC fans should wear to Tampa? Uh, I have not heard. <laughs> wear something short sleeved, it's not cold down there.
2: It's like 80. I checked, I think it's going to be like 80 for the game on Friday.
1: Also, I'll see you all there. Also, your blood is going to be thicker from being here unless you step outside over the course of today, tomorrow, and Wednesday when it's apparently yeah. in the 70s in November because reasons, but uh. Yeah. Yeah, wear, wear something that is not, not not gonna be warm on your body. I hope black. Ooh, that's. I don't know. That's that's it's a lot down there.
2: I mean, it's a it's it's an it's a early game. it's like a, it's a, well, no, it's it's a, a six, six o'clock. o'clock but, yeah, but it's, but it's daylight savings time, so yeah. it's gonna be dark. So it does. It does get I'd, a little chilly.
1: I'd imagine you'd tell people to wear wear red again and kind of go for the same uh, Notre Dame effect, but.
0: All red all day. Well, I mean, Raymond James is huge, and I don't think USF is going to fill that place. So, yeah. Um, Run defense
1: problem with being out of position from line and linebackers. Can we stop? Seems (laughs) like backers are out of position or taking bad angles. And Montgomery or Wright get bulk of carries if Ford is out.
2: Montgomery was the guy they went to when Ford went out. Yes, they did. Uh, I'll go Montgomery for now, unless I hear, see, hear or see something different this week.
0: And but Chuck, I know, every, I know got everybody carries. Yeah. And then I right know right everybody's worked end. up
2: about the run game, but like, if you're going to submit questions, can, can we like check out the other questions so that we're not answering the same questions like 14 times in a mailbag? Like uh, mailbag Curtis, we got, there's gotta be some mailbag decorum, right? Well, if we did, but Chad,
0: they had 297 rushing yards. I'm joking. I know since we, since we
1: did do the service of separating the mailbags, please do us the same service of not asking the same question over and over again in different ways.
2: All three. The the job of the question reader to read through the questions and decide we've already answered that question.
1: That's true. That was the last question in the mailbag. It just got
0: there. I like your hat, Aaron. <laughs> you got a cool hat on. Thanks. All right, all right. Change subject.
1: Basketball. All three <laughs> verbals expected to sign on Wednesday.
2: I have not heard otherwise. I know Sage is signing Wednesday. Uh, I think at 10 a.m. at Hamilton. I'll I'll try to get some details tomorrow. He, he's on. there
1: as soon as the alarm hits. Where when he can yeah. sign, he's like, "We love it here. We're never going anywhere." Dine right. in Hawaii um, and
0: going to cater it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That you know what? Damn,
1: (laughs) Chad's like if I'm leaving the house, I should be getting dine in Hawaiian.
2: Right, right.
1: Um, Hypothetical two part question: If Bob Huggins had coached UC for two more seasons, what percent chance the 2007 Bearcats starting lineup would have been Devin Downey, OJ Mayo, Henry Bill Walker, Michael Beasley, Ivan Johnson?
2: Zero point zero percent. Oh, 0. 0.1. 0. 0.0. Second part. What never was the OJ, OJ. OJ was not coming to Cincinnati. OJ oh. was on OJ was on the take. Like, right. Did OJ go to Kansas State to play for Bob Huggins? Could could yes be no? a ba- it could be a bag drop,
0: though. He what, went to it was, North College Hill, though. I'm joking.
2: Did OJ <laughs> play at Kansas State for Bob Huggins?
0: Uh he played, I think it was at UC for. Who was the head coach? Then? Uh I know it wasn't Enfield An- it it was it? No, it wasn't Enfield. No, no.
2: It was goddamn it. I know who it is. I can see him in my, my brain cuz he used to come out onto the, the road at AAU events and dress like a like he had just got done painting a living room. Um
1: He was in white overalls?
2: No, like 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 jeans with paint on them and like You know, he he had a USC shirt on, but it was one from like the back of the the rack. It wasn't like the new stuff they just got. Like, uh, I can't remember his name. I
1: think they call that throwback now. Um, what what would the
0: 0708 hypothetical was was it Tim Floyd?
2: No, before that,
0: it was Jim Saya, Tim Floyd, Henry Bibby, Kevin O'Neill.
2: Kevin O'Neill. Yeah, Kevin O'Neill. I think that was him. When was he there?
0: 09 to 13.
2: No, then it would have been right before him.
0: Because what? Tim Floyd. Yeah, Tim Floyd. 05 to 09. Sounds like that would have been That just sounds like a name of a
1: guy who would wear New Balance and some painted jeans. Uh, What would the 07 08 hypothetical banner read up in fifth third? That's the second part of the question.
0: What? Hometown heroes.
1: Okay. Read that again. What would the 0708 hypothetical banner read up in fifth third for that hypothetical?
2: No,
0: no.
1: I feel like everyone on the roster has been talked about in various places this preseason besides Rob Banks, who I know is dealing with a knee injury, and C.J. Anthony. Any thoughts on either after the summer and preseason practices?
0: They're walk-ons. Well, Rob, I I know
2: that Rob's is on scholarship, but he's a walk-on.
0: Seems like C.J. is a lively guy. Yeah, he's
2: good in practice. He does a good job on the scout team. I like C.J. Anthony. He's a walk-on.
0: And Rob has Rob has a great uh, accent. Banksy he does. I like I like Rob Banks a lot, and he's built like a rugby player. If fellow out Dude,
2: there. If look, he's svelte. If either of those dudes
1: punched you in the face, your face is broken.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay. If either of those dudes play a significant role. There are fucking problems, and that's not a shot at either of them. Like, there's 12 high major players on this roster. If the walk-ons, and guess what? It's a referendum on things in the past that the walk-ons had to play a role.
0: Connor Barwin was pretty...
1: Moving on. What is your score prediction for tomorrow's game? We talked about that already. And do you think Wes will go 10 deep regardless of the flow of the game?
2: Regardless of the flow of the do, I think he will go 10 deep just because everybody uh, has to participate. Like it's, it's rec league basketball. No. If he needs to go 10 deep and there is, there is a reason for going 10 deep.
1: Yes. I wouldn't if be surprised to see 10 guys with minutes, not significant minutes, but at least <laughs> 10 guys with minutes just to see different rotations. Like I talked about earlier and see what you got.
2: Yeah. But is he going 10 deep just to go 10 deep? Like no. the, the question asks. No,
0: I think they'll have a game plan and if, if they it, need if to, the, right.
2: If, if it takes nine guys to win the game, like, and he feels like he needs those nine guys, then the, the nine guys will play.
0: He played. He he played 11 in a completely different circumstance in the opener last year, where they beat Little Rock 77 to 70. So, did you ever catch any
1: word on any of the super secret games of how many people played?
2: All of them played. It was a script like that. That's what those are designed for. They they have like segments of the scrimmage set to where they can work on. You know,
1: I didn't know getting everybody involved. I didn't know if that gave any type of indication or glimpse. No. Okay. All right. And we are in the banks portion of the mailbag here. Here we go. We're, we're coming home. Gentlemen, the whole stretch. Hello, gents. Continuing the TV theme who plays what character on family guy and why is Brent playing Cleveland?
2: Oh man. Cleveland. (laughs) I think Kim playing Cleveland is perfect. Yeah, that it's 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 nails. Uh, I think Aaron <laughs> Aaron Aaron is quagmire. Oh, I would gosh. agree, actually, wow, thousand percent. There's a lot agree. about you.
0: Aaron. You're welcome. You do have a lot of strength, in... All right, never mind. Yeah.
2: and I mean, I guess I I probably have to be Peter, right?
1: I don't know. I, I view you more as uh, what's the baby's name?
2: Stewie. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I could I or brian i can yeah, be brian you brian's Stewies, smart
1: brian ass to you yeah. either, either brian or stewie 100 you're, you're I'm definitely not between... peter
0: you're not peter no it's because peter's more airheady, and you know
2: yeah a, yeah dumb where brian and stewie are kind of the brains of the operation i get it yeah like a, a mix between brian and stewie
1: brett be glad you're not uh the the brother
2: <laughs> chris
0: i'm <laughs> yeah. the furthest thing from chris <laughs> See, this is a show that I actually watch.
1: So I'll, what, I'll take Cleveland. Obviously, I don't watch it at all since I don't know anybody's names. Um, okay, so do you qua- not
2: watch. How would you not watch? Family Wait, so guys?
1: do you know who Quagmire is? Then I know who Quagmire is because I've seen like all the, the, giggity, the... Giggity, giggity.
0: So so you are accepting quite the uh, quite the, quite the the role with Quagmire. It's fine, fine. Right.
2: Like Quagmire's. To say Quagmire is politically incorrect would be an yeah. understatement.
0: <laughs> you can- cancel culture might be knocking knocking on your door. Here. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> how, fine. how quickly you accepted the Quagmire role, um,
2: but, <laughs> yeah, but there's, Quagmire, thats me, nailed it. There, there's <laughs> there's
1: other people though that we have on the on the B C J. Like where would Dave fit in? If you're Brian, I feel like one of you is is Stewie and one of you is Brian, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, Brett Brett is a lawyer, so he would have to be Joe Swanson. That's the one in the wheelchair? Yeah, the cop, you know, okay. cop, lawyer, same yeah. kind of same Close same, enough. same deal. Uh Mick. Is Mick Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll give him we'll give Mick. No shot. He's listening this deep into the podcast. Oh, he's
2: he's right. listening. He wanted in. He wanted in tonight, but I had other work for him.
0: Let's see here. Pe- Peter Griffin. Hi. Uh, we we just at, don't like. At we times, don't... we
2: all have a little Peter Griffin. Is, his is. skins Peter Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the chicken. Yeah, he is the chicken. He is the chicken. You're right. I thought you didn't watch the show. I watched
1: the first season and I didn't like it moved on
0: that's a that's a lot of episodes to watch to figure out you don't like it i think
2: skins is like definitely it. well then if skins is the chicken then then fake john gobel has to be peter
0: okay there You're you right. go there you go
1: all right um does that make a taylor meg
2: Don't don't no. no. We'll make Taylor. We'll make Taylor Lois. Yeah, make her
0: Lois. Don't want to make her
2: Meg. You don't want to make anybody Meg. Although 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 what what Meg is voiced by Mila Kunis. There's worse things you could be than Mila Kunis. So
0: so 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 we'll give someone Meg's voice. So so not just (laughs) Meg. Right. (laughs) So who who did you make Chris? Uh, Mick. Mick.
1: So is I think Boston is Peter isn't the worst
0: thing <laughs> yeah no man, maybe Berg Berg could be uh
2: Berg's got to be somebody like a like somebody that just pops in from time to
1: time. Well, the way that he says cream all the time couldn't he be the creepy old man Herbert he could he could be <laughs> Herbert the creepy old man <laughs> Oh God
2: all right all right next this is the best this is the best movie tv segment we've done by far all
1: right um there's there's more to this question which superhero origin story would you like to have and since i've not killed aaron yet how about you guys pick between him being uncle ben from spider-man thomas wayne from batman or jonathan kent from superman
2: i don't don't know any of those backstories uh they just all die they all die yeah so um Which one died the most spectacularly? And then pick one of the other two.
1: Thomas Wayne was killed by uh, the Joker in the alleyway. Um, Uncle Ben, I think he was also killed by bad guys. I would assume Clark Kent's dad as well was killed, but I don't know. I'm killed by the bad guys. Who cares?
0: Um, Well, then then the good guys are here here to resurrect your life, Aaron. There we go. No, well, deep- he's the one that gives us power. The power, yeah. In our, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: in
2: our... Well, which is
1: our... odd, because last last week, I was the one who took all the power away, condemned you all to this awful... <laughs> the wedding the the wedding where well, you.
2: we were all married. Uh, murdered, yeah. and, uh, uh, <laughs> <Murried>. and mur- <laughs> I
1: mix, I
0: murdered
2: and married. <laughs> we're getting late. We're getting late. We are. Thank God we started this a little Thank early. Thank
0: you for coming on, David. <laughs> And then do you, like think, was do you think
1: do you think kids cartoons should show repercussions for their bad choices? If Dora is going into the dark woods with Boots knowing there's a damn killer there or Paw, on Paw Patrol when Chase goes out on the thin ice and somehow does not end up in a police memorial dog wall.
0: Yeah, yes. I, I I did think this thing about Dora. It's like Dora goes on these on these crazy adventures and she gets lost everywhere. And she asks you like where is the The red tree, and it's literally right there in front of her face. She can't even see the red tree. Is there maybe her vision is a little off? She shouldn't be going in the forest like that. And then there's Swiper as well. What are you doing, Dora? You should not be going into the forest with criminal boots. A known criminal, and a known criminal is out there trying to catch you.
1: I'm here for all. Don't do
0: that, Dora. Do not do that.
1: Kids should definitely have all the life lessons, like all of them.
2: Why? Why didn't this is the only thing I learned for the only question I had for my daughter's childhood is why didn't somebody viciously murder Caillou?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that kid was an asshole. <laughs> uh,
1: on
0: that note, we move on. Well, what about Peppa Pig? Did you? Did you I love Peppa Pig. Did, did you ever that, look up how tall Peppa Pig is? I love. He's Peppa seven Pig. foot.
2: I can watch. <laughs> no, Peppa Pig is not seven foot. Yes, he is. Or is his parents? She. Peppa was the little daughter.
1: Peppa's a girl,
2: bruh. Peppa Pig, maybe height. Maybe, maybe seven Daddy foot Pig.
0: one inch. <laughs> okay, then Daddy Pig was ten feet tall. Like that's messed up. And by the way, Peppa. Pig. By the way, Little Einstein's remix slaps? That is. Oh, fun. I love yeah. Little Einstein's.
2: Like, there was a lot of there was a lot of shows that my daughter watched that I like I was into.
0: Yeah. I little bubble Einstein guppies. Bubble
2: Guppies. I was I was a little eh, on bubble guppies. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Right. Uh I love Peppa Pig. I love Little Einstein's. Uh Wonder Pets. Like, I'll watch you put fucking Wonder Pets on, I'll watch Wonder Pets today. That shit okay. was phenomenal. Bustin. You ever watch wonder pets i no. watched
0: it a little bit i don't of even Bustin know what Bustin that Bustin is right there
2: Aaron. wonder pets go watch your homework is to watch wonder pets at some Bring point Bring back the snorkels. next week
0: and then and then the uh, house of the house of mouse was had some good shows too you yeah, know it's pretty it's all right but yeah. like fuck caillou i hated that kid <laughs> i think a lot of people didn't really like caillou
1: i'm uncomfortable with them bringing a cgi clifford
0: the big red dog oh man that thing is scary but i would love to have it i'll <laughs> tell you that much <laughs> All right. Football theme. Dora, don't go back into the forest, Dora. Jesus. Okay. Continue. All right.
1: It's kind of like that commercial where they're like, Oh, why don't we go into that running
2: car? (laughs) No, let's go hide behind these chainsaws. All
1: right. Football theme question, but not related to UC. So I thought I'd post here. This was a fun hypothetical on my local ESPN radio show how far away would a kicker have to be guaranteed from IE never missing a kick, regardless of rain, snow, wind, high pressure, kick, et cetera, to be taken with the number one overall pick. They settled 53, they settled somewhere around being guaranteed from anything closer no than way. 45 to 48 yards. I believe
2: 53. If and you number can tell one me overall pick. Yeah. Look, if you can tell me I'm good from 53. So you do the, you do the math. 17 yards for the kick, if I can get to the 35, 34 yard line and I'm good every time without like, look, we're talking every time, Brent, every time, every time I get to the 34 yard, 33 yard line, I got three points. I'm taking them. Number one.
1: I think you also have to double as a punter and never have made a kickoff that that went out of bounds.
2: no. No, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. How many times has Justin Tuck won the fucking Baltimore Ravens a game? I, I don't have that answer for you. All of them. Like all of, every time Baltimore wins, it's because Justin Tuck hit like Tucker. a, a yeah, 50 Tucker, yeah. Tucker hit a
0: 56-yard field goal. Like yeah, just, Justin okay, Tuck okay, was okay, a defensive okay, okay. lineman. I'll go yeah, I'll go Tucker. 60. I'll go 60 because number one overall is like that. It's crazy. Guaranteed. Okay. So what? So you're gonna Fifty three is a... realistic. There are guys
2: in the end like, like they hit fifty three, pretty,
0: pretty, pretty a pretty
2: good clip right now. Right, 53, 53 is my number.
1: What's the highest the, the kicker's number one ever overall been drafted? Sixty.
2: Uh, I don't know. Uh, McPherson? third round. Janikowski oh, yeah. was, was the was first round, early, early, early. I think was yeah, first, first round.
1: round. <laughs> All right. Well, so that, while we're looking that, that up, your boy. While we're looking that up, we'll move on. What are some of the best dad jokes you
0: have ever heard? I, we've only got one dad here, so I think he'd have to be the one to take that.
2: Yeah, dad. What does an 80-year-old what, what man's penis smell like? Jesus.
0: That's, where
1: you, that's not a dad joke. That's a dirty old grandpa joke.
2: Depends. Moving on. <laughs> that's a dad joke. How many shakes? That's a dad joke.
0: Why is this a crowd one, Man. 17th overall pick?
2: Sebastian Janikowski.
0: Sebastian Janikowski.
1: How many shakes? Late qualify... Kevin
0: had him try a 75 yard field goal. All right, go ahead, Aaron. Sorry.
1: How many shakes qualifies as too many? I say three. That's me editing this question with everything that I
2: had. No comment. Uh, Three, I think three. Like, shake it twice. Shake shake it once. That's
0: all right. Shake it twice. That's okay. Shake it three times. You're playing with it. Okay. I feel like it depends. Like,
1: if you're Uh, uh, are are you certain you can put it back in and not be on yourself? That's my. (laughs) Are you are you unbuttoning and unzipping, or are you simply unzipping? Because then I think. You got to be a little more leery when you're solely unzipping.
0: Moving on. Peppa Pig (laughs) with (laughs) 7-1.
2: I love the Banks questions. This is getting to the point where I really wanted having questions on the Banks to go. Because this this has been an all-star performance. What's your
1: go-to UDF milkshake flavor? Got to be a peanut butter chocolate malt.
2: I'm a chocolate milkshake guy 99, 95% of the time. Give me the, give me the heater. Give me the one old fashioned fastball straight down the middle chocolate milkshake.
1: Not going to chocolate malt.
2: I'm a milkshake guy. I'm not a malt guy.
1: Does it bring all the girls to the yard?
2: It used to. <laughs> Kelly's in the room. You can't talk about <laughs> bringing all the girls to the yard anymore. Or
0: you having a damn milkshake? All right. I used to what, love. What the fuck's wrong with having a milkshake? I think that's the first time Brent's ever cussed on the pod. No, I said ass earlier. But anyway, so <laughs> that's not a cuss word.
1: That's neither, a body part. Neither
0: is damn. But um, anyway. ass is also an animal. Anyway, uh, I used to love mint chocolate chip at udf when i used to live there there was one right down the street from us that's it that's i like
1: they, they do like a um like an orange creamsicle thing too and those aren't bad oh there you go okay Aaron. but but the the chocolate malt's pretty pretty legit but if you do go the orange creamsicle you have to have like you have the option between the orange juice or the orange drink go the orange juice oh just saying that's the mailbag we're done
0: Wow! Wow! Anything else, guys? Do we want to no.
1: sprinkle anything here at the very end? Christ
0: Almighty! What a podcast!
2: No, we're good. I think we're All good. Right.
0: Well, this was fun, guys. This was very fun. It's always fun. Yet again, a, a huge thank you to David Upton. That was a that was a fun in depth conversation with another national media member and uh, about York Cincinnati Bearcats and Ruben
1: Patterson. We're glad
0: you found the uh, the the oh. <laughs> what a great quick story! What a great quick story! We see no, no, you, no. You, I've
2: already got the stop recording thing up. Okay, hurry it's up! Fine.
0: We Just... see Ruben Patterson in the grid all by himself. We're wondering what you know what's going on with Ruben. We walk up, we talk to him, and Ruben says, "I'm trying to find everybody." And it it ends up that he shows us a text from Demar Johnson saying, "Find us here," which was back where the College Game Day location was. We walk Ruben all the way from the grid back to where the College Game Day was and and rubens wearing a a polo sweatshirt says i need some gear and we're like yeah we gotta get you some gear man what's going on then all of a sudden as aaron and i are walking Ruben Patterson back we're like gosh we really hope that the basketball team is at where college game used to be because this would be very awkward if we get all the way there and they're not even there and then i see coach
1: morgan and i sprint ahead and i'm like coach morgan um, we've got Ruben Patterson. We've got Ruben Patterson, and he has
0: no clue where to go. You got me? And he's like, Yeah, I got you, bro. And then Ruben daffed up with us. And well, first off, Aaron sprinted after Coach Morgan. Yeah. Ruben Ruben turned to me and said, Man, he's hustling, isn't he? I said, Yeah, that's the fastest I've seen him ever run. And, and you didn't schedule
2: fun. Ruben for the podcast?
0: Uh, it was, it was getting to that point, but it was more of a concern of getting Ruben some Cincinnati gear and getting him to the next location. Then the podcast question was next, but, uh, that'll come. Don't worry. He's got some things going on personally. If you build it, he will come and that's it. But, uh, yet again, a big thank you to David oven and, uh, everyone else for listening for my great friends, my, my, my budding comrades in this middle life two hours and and 15 minutes Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel I am Brent Young yet again this is another fantastic bvp presented by barricadejournal.com